Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas for $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Helix mattresses have been recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. So how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You can take the Helix sleep quiz and find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door free of charge. Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10-15 to year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash drink. That's helixsleep.com slash drink. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. I took my Tylenol out, and I never took it, so I'm going to have a vitamin it with my Tylenol. I just did something really gross, too. Well, cool. That, cool. You, just, <laughs> I, you just took your channel. I just took Tums out of my mouth. <laughs> Why? Oh, to start the podcast? Yeah, because I was afraid people would hear them That's clacking extremely in professional my teeth. of you. Thank you, but now I'm holding wet chalk. <laughs> 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 and also, my heart still hurts, but I guess, you know, the show must go on. So I guess Honestly, I'll hold them for later. Extremely professional. Um, Thank cool. you. <laughs> I was like, lick the tums backwash off my own fingers okay well now it's getting actually gross um no you're fine hello um, how was your tylenol are you taking it are you having no fun? i need to take it i have such a roaring headache i rarely ever do get you? headaches i feel very fortunate about that um so when i do i'm like why why are you doing this to my brain that's me with tummy aches and i always yes. feel bad complaining about tummy aches next to you because i know you just live in one constant tummy ache <laughs> But um, I know when I, I talk to people with migraines, I'm like, you would not believe. And they're like, OK, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> no, I in the times and it's always because I slept wrong. It's always mm. because I slept wrong. And um, wait, uh, your head or your tummy? Oh, no, no, no. My, sorry. I totally jumped into a different my head, a headache, a migraine. I knew that, but I felt like the audience needed Thank a little you. filler to catch up. So I pretend I feigned ignorance. Oh, Thank God. Yeah. I'm reading your mind today, if you haven't noticed. <laughs> no, anytime I have a migraine, I would say 99% of the time it's because I slept the wrong way because I have a very, I'm a very particular pillow person mm. when it comes to a triple like, P. Yeah. 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 I we had, all know I, one. We all love Do you know one. how many, it, just to test our friendship here, do you know how many pillows I need to sleep comfortably? Is it, it's six or is it four? Four. It's four. Yeah. I was like, it's either four or six. Um, it's uh for me i need one uh under my head and no sure. more than one i know i'm a Deranged. psychopath i'm aware because like when i go to a hotel i'm like all oh, the pillows although do i do hug one i guess so that's two I, so i i have one under my head one a hum hugging but if i sleep with two pillows headache central i'm like my neck's bent now well i well i only have one that i actually use for my head support but oh, i okay. have a second one to hug i got a third one i gotta do the leg hug mm -hmm. like because i've i 
as I'm getting older, I think my hips are like collapsing within Mine themselves. Mine are too. It's bad. It hurts so fucking much. If I don't sleep with a pillow between my legs, we got a problem. And Why are we so old? <laughs> I don't know. But now I've got a secret fourth one for my lower back because sometimes I'll wake up and that's in pain. So it, it's all pain preventive, preventative. So that's, yeah. it's not because it's like fun to have four pillows and be such a diva about it. But um, anyway, fun, fun fact about me today and fun fact about you. Well, why do you drink today, Em? Well, I drink water and um, Tums chalk because, mm. uh, oh, okay, here's why. Because um, I got back into my VR, which, like, I never <sighs> got out of it. I, I have this weird thing. I don't know what the deal is, but to reward myself every night, I say, you know what? If I get all my work done, I'm going to play VR tonight. And I never get to play VR. I just mm, I feel like a psychotherapist would be sitting here going, you don't feel like you deserve it. As there's there's got to be something there, but I always end up not playing my VR and I always end up regretting it. And last night I was like, no, I'm going to actually play this thing and I'm going to have a good time. And I'm going to treat for you. myself. And I was looking through the new games and there's this new one. And <gasps> wow. I'm what is it? The best time of my life. Um, So it's called <laughs> Star Tender. And what? I'm a bartender in space. No. And that's your dream job. As somebody who is so is like lovely. doesn't drink, that is your dream job, believe it or not, everybody. Like I would heard... be so good as a bartender. Well, like it really catered to my ADHD because at every second I was being distracted <laughs> by a new customer coming up. And I gotta this is like I hope this isn't like uh, like poo-pooing on like not poo-pooing, that's not the right word. I hope this doesn't like agitate any actual bartenders. <laughs> but I gotta say that You're was good at it. the hardest job oh. no, no no i was gonna say that was the hardest job of my life last night and it was fucking fake i can't imagine what actual <laughs> bartenders have to go through like i was there was there was at least there was always at least three aliens coming up to the bar being like <laughs> and i've heard I? that's the biggest problem with bartending <laughs> you know they say it all the time well there's this one fuck there's this one drink that was so goddamn complicated i don't remember what it was called but it was like the called like the glack spritz or something sure Oh my god! It was the—it's the hardest fucking drink, and I always knock it over with my robot hands because I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> in VR. You knock it over, but they—they they always like request like you can like get the, like the cup heated or iced, and they got to put all the stuff in it. You got to get the it's so like, high maintenance. It's incredibly high maintenance. Some of these recipes literally have like seven or eight steps, and Do then any of them it's have like egg white. No, but some have like me a glow stick that comes in like a plutonium chamber. Oh, you love that though. But my little stupid VR hands can't always pull it out of the chamber the right way, and then it shatters, and then everything explodes. You know what's so wild to think about? If those people are were actually watching you do it and not realizing you were in VR, and they're like, what is this person's problem? Like, they're just like, they can't pick up a glow stick. They're just like shoving drinks off the bar. There is, there's one alien. She's so nasty, and she's <gasps> always the one who gets like the glack spritz or whatever it's called. She's like such a diva. And every time I, when I was first starting, now I'm like 100 drinks in, like I'm do getting really good at making fucking it. good but the the first few times i kept fucking up her order and when i would hand it to her she'd go are you new here and i'd be like <gasps> yes bitch i am new here like Excuse I just... me? what's her name like glorg karen glorg? <laughs> that wasn't clever at all i couldn't think of anything else <laughs> but she was I, like i just karen she... 3000 <laughs> <laughs> i hate her i hate her and she kept she kept coming up to the bar i was like girl you're getting fucked up tonight because did she every, tip you at all she gave me a coin one oh, token god and then, 
the whole time she was like, are you new here? And then she would leave, but then she'd come right back and order the exact same fucking drink again. So I guess I was like, she was liking it a little bit, but she must've been anyway, let's just say that it really absolutely hit all the dopamine receptors in my brain. And I ended up playing it and not even realizing that I had, to, I stopped playing because the headset died <gasps> and it was 6 30 in the morning. Oh, M. I totally lost all jesus i was just having so much fun and uh i knew it was trouble because allison walked in and i i knew that meant she had woken up it was starting work and she was like what are you doing and so frantically like i it felt like a little out of my realm but i was just like i'm bartending i'm really busy right now i'm on the clock (laughs) karen 3000 is being a real (laughs) witch but i'm finally finally getting on her good side i was like you have no idea how stressful this job is you have no idea and she was like she's like i'm going to work but i mean real work (laughs) (laughs) yeah i got paid zero dollars to literally make drinks for hours for people sell yourself short you got one coin (laughs) <laughs> i got i got more after her but she she really i wanted to impress her and i just kept disappointing her but um other than the black spritz i'm like getting real quick at it spritz so. is like your white whale you know <laughs> <laughs> anyway why do you drink oh wow that just got me good um i like that a lot i can't wait to play it uh even though i'll never play it but can't wait um maybe when i'm at your house i'll play it it's a good uh, time sounds fun so I drink because I have another ghost update. I feel like I never end with these. And I'm not just making these up. Like, this is just, I feel like little pieces are coming together. And you know when they say you start looking into this stuff and it kind of starts to, like, like you notice it more or it happens Mm -hmm. more, like, kind of spooky stuff. Um, So I, the other day, was putting Leona in the car seat and we were going to uh, the little gym where we do her little gymnastics situation. Mm And um, so we were going there and I was putting her in the car seat and the garage door was open and this and it was, by the way, today it's 72 degrees out that it was like a week ago or five days ago. And it was, I think, 22. It was insanely cold. And of course, I'm just like not wearing a bra, not wearing a jacket like I'm freezing. Anyway, that's irrelevant. But this man (laughs) walks by and he's like, hello. And I'm like, well, instantly, I don't want to be part of this. Right. So I'm like, right. Hello. And I like put my child safely in the car seat and begin to walk into my car to be like, goodbye. Uh, And he says, hello. Uh, My girlfriend used to live here. Oh God. And I said, what? And I'm like, in my garage, you know, did did she die 400 years ago? (laughs) Right. My brain doesn't compute. Then it occurred to me, okay, this abandoned dentist office was then turned into a house, which was then turned into my garage. So I'm like, Oh wow. And he goes, her name was Sasha. And I'm like, cool <laughs> you know i don't know and of course we're late for little jim um because it's me and so i'm <laughs> like okay bye and he goes and actually i lived in he goes do you live on that corner and of course me being me i said yes i do so now he knows me and my address but uh, well <laughs> no, i'm at no. my garage it's hard it's like obviously you know anyway so he goes that's where i grew up and i went what and he goes yeah i lived there back in like the 80s And I said, oh, my gosh, that's pretty cool. And he goes, this is not a joke. This is literally what this man says to me. He looks me in the eye and he says, have you seen the spirits? (gasps) (laughs) So I handed Leona her tablet, put on Miss Rachel and said, "Okay, now you have my attention. (laughs) Like, what spirits? I'm like, if this man's going to kidnap me, he's already won. Like, he got me. Yeah, he said the right thing. He did. And he said, oh, well, there are 
uh, he's like, hang oh, on, we hang s- on, S- sidetrack for a second. So he, um, so he lived in the house, and his girlfriend lived in the gr- in your now garage. Yes. <laughs> so like they were literally like sweethearts next door. I think so. The girl next door, and you know, looking back, like I know that my current house used to be used as tenement housing, like low income housing, and they split it into multiple apartments, like not mm. big ones, but like two or three. Like it was like a multi family home before it was turned into just like one uh one home and so he either lived in like the upstairs or the downstairs i'm not sure um but so back then in the 80s like it was used uh as like a smaller so i guess the house next door was it it was smaller because obviously now it's my garage but um i think it was a single family home back then Mm -hmm. so yeah i guess the girl lived next door i didn't even think about that um that's wild very cute uh, okay, so anyway, he, uh, the spirits. Yeah, so he told me a story about how he shot a gun out the window and it hit a tree. And I was like, okay, I want to hear more about the other thing. Um, right. <laughs> but thank you. And he's like, the bullet hole's probably still in the tree. And I was like, cool, I will be looking like, for that. Don't sir, get me we're wrong. derailing. We're derailing. <laughs> yeah, get back to the point. It's 22 degrees. Uh, and he said, oh, we saw them all the time. And I'm like, can you tell me what? spirits you saw like what are the stories and he said oh well we saw all sorts of things he said when i was three i was standing at the top of the stairs uh and i was looking down and my okay this is another thing he said my dad was a a brick mason and he had a bar in the basement and i'm like of my house and he's like yeah like obviously an unsanctioned bar and my basement's a dirt floor like cellar and i'm like whoa that's that was a speakeasy my friend yes like literally (laughs) underground speakeasy speakeasy. and i'm like honestly the way that this basement looks it would be a pretty baller like speakeasy which means it's possible so i don't know why we haven't set it up yet well, maybe we have. It's just not on the record. No, we have not, oh. but we will. And I need your help with all the glow sticks. You're the bartender. Oh, um, happily, we're gonna make. Happily. We're gonna I'm make. I'm gonna make glorg. Glorg. Like wouldn't believe. <laughs> we're gonna make underground bathtub glorg three thousand. It's gonna be delicious. <laughs> <laughs> and we're gonna charge out the nose. Um, so yeah, he's like, I'm. I'm standing at the top of the stairs, like trying to like peek in, see what my dad's doing down there, and he says. All of a sudden, someone, and he's like three or four, he's like, someone just pushed my back, and I fell all the way down the stairs, and he said, I landed at the bottom, thankfully, like, okay, no broken bones, and he's like, but I looked up, and there was just a man glaring at me from the top of the stairs. Harry. Oh, well, I was worried, and I was like, well, Harry doesn't seem very mean, but maybe. Girl, you're about to have a three or four-year-old. Please I know, and I, be careful. I was like, that's not good, and he's like, yeah, it was absolutely terrifying, and then he said, one night... Um, my mom or no, he was in, uh, he's like, I was sharing a bed with my mom. I was like a little kid. And he's like, my sister had just been born and was in a crib next to the bed. And he said one night he woke up and saw a woman just staring down at the baby, like as she slept and was just standing there, like staring down at the baby. And he's like, I was so scared. I just pulled the covers over my head. And the next time I looked, she was gone. And I'm like, I don't know about this. It's all about kids room, and babies. But what room was it? Be- like, was it actually Leona's room or could it be your room? And no, it was my you? room. It was my room. Okay. So someone's staring at you while you're sleeping is what I just heard. <sighs> Well, I did get po- I did get poked in bed once, and I I was like maybe it's my imagination, but then it wasn't even poked. Somebody ran their finger down my arm, and I was like, oh, I must be imagining this. Uh, so I never said it out loud because I thought, well, it was just my imagination. But I feel like now's the time to tell you. Okay, um, good time. <laughs> um, 
anyway definitely weird that there's so there's a female ghost and a male ghost yeah the male the, ghost seems violent against children yeah and the female ghost stares at people while you put a fucking camera in your own room while you're sleeping i dare you oh god we did that once but we just caught geo humping our pillows <laughs> amazing um <laughs> I do think it'd be cool. Look, I already, with the time difference and everything, and I already stay up late. What if I did 24-7 surveillance yeah. and just, like, checked in every now and then? If there was, like, a motion detected, I would open up the camera to <gasps> let you know in real time if I see something. And it's just always moonshine. But it might not be one day, you know? And it's just you drooling and, like, oh, catching no. your own spit while you sleep or Stop something. Stop telling people that story. <laughs> Change the topic. Change the subject immediately. I know that's all you want. You just want footage of it. Of my creepy sleep habits. I do think it'd be really cool if on site, in the moment, I like someone from far away gets like a motion alert on their phone and I check on you and there's a fucking woman staring at you. Oh my God. I'd be like, I'd be texting. I'd be like, please wake up. Please wake up. Oh, and he said, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I'd be like, and then you'd catch me going fucking M and like throwing my phone down. <laughs> We'd, our friendship would be fractured. Um. Also, he said, the other thing you can think of is that uh, his mom would always complain that in, when she got up in the morning, all the cabinets and drawers were open. And I was like, thank God that has not happened to me yet. Um, but, except you just said it out loud in the house. I so. know. What's wrong with me? And I was I, like, that sounds poltergeist behavior. Did you get this person's number? So his name is John. And I think, or he said, oh, he said he put his initials on the back of the house. And he's like, you can probably still find them. He's like, I painted them when I was little, which I thought was very cute. Um, but he is currently unhoused, so I don't think he had a cell phone number. So I was like, okay, well, you know where I live, so I'm sure we'll run into each other again. And I can <laughs> I can come prepared this time with more questions. Um, but yeah, it was it was quite a conversation. And then he's like, anyway, have a good day. And I went to Little Jim like, what the fuck? Oh, um, my God. Okay, so at least you've been warned about these. It sounds like that was an attachment with the family though, right? It, 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 you know what? That's a great point and I'm going to tell myself that just to feel better, but it's probably true. It sounds like the mom and the son had a bunch of experiences. Well, hey, that also like confirms remember you said you felt like there was a woman downstairs and that's yes, like, true. And like who like hugged you on Halloween oh, or I something? I forgot about that. So maybe you have gotten some confirmation that they like you. Maybe they just don't like that family. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe we did. I don't know what I did right. I'm sure it's nothing good. Um, maybe Harry saw that four-year-old and went, time to go. And like just sucked her down the stairs. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't know. And I, th I think the biggest fun fact about that whole thing was uh, my dad had a bar in the basement for people to come and drink and i was like well we have to go investigate next time i'm I there right i was like i There's would never be a have beer known can that. something down something. there still. because it's a dirt basement so i bet oh my god i'm getting my metal detector out I'm, okay. I'm, li I'm literally texting my mother right now and that one i feel like isn't bad like you can yeah because metal detect well, your own home my property right so the person who wrote in and said you know like just be cautious about telling everyone to go metal detect which is a very fair point um you know respect spaces yeah. and places that are not yours but they said like oh to your heart's content can you uh metal detect your own property so i'm i'm like great finally i have something like, be like, why did you dig a giant hole in the basement i'm like well when, i had to we'll, find we'll out. do it when i'm there and then you can just blame me oh he won't ask then he'll know it was you he'll be like okay oh man m showed up and now there's a giant hole in the basement what a mystery i'll fill it up i just it's gonna be there for a second i'll put it back i won't but you will though so maybe i'll wait for you um anyway that sounds that's, real fun that's my ghost update um 
that's the best one you've had so far. I almost called you and then I was like, I have to tell you on the podcast, you know. Six years of that relationship, you and I me. Mean, it's a never weird being allowed dynamic. to just say something. <laughs> or Eva well, will ask us something and we'll be like, shut up, Eva. I'm not saying that yet. <laughs> yeah, Eva said something recently. I don't know. Maybe not recently. I feel like she said something and I heard you go, stop, 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 stop. <laughs> That's between you and me for two more minutes, and then we can talk talk about about it it later. (laughs) Well, okay, so I'm a bartender, and you have a bar, is what those were the updates. It's fate, I think. So, I mean, we got to make it a galactic bar now. You said it, not me, and you're right. Also, it's real. It's the truth. Oh man, well. Well done on that intro, Christina. I think My headache's really just it getting today. worse. My headache's okay. just getting so much worse. When does Tylenol kick in? Um, uh, we also, uh, I just want to throw this out there for a fun fact. Another reason why we should drink today mm-hmm. is because this is episode 323. Okay. And we, this is the first time ever, we are recording it on 323. <gasps> Ain't that fun? Ain't that fun. Now, ain't that something? You know what else? This is our sixth year, and we did a 666 theme. We're about to do episode 333, which I'm pretty sure is, like, <gasps> you know, uh, monumental in some way, right? Like, because it's yeah. half of 666, so we'll just double it. Maybe for episode 666, we record in your dirty basement and make it a bar. <laughs> in my dirty basement. I like the thought that in, like, seven more years, my basement will still be just as <laughs> dirty and not a bar yet. Christine, it, it will be. It will be. It will be. That. Okay. I'm sorry. Because right. please never let me put the hole back. No. So now it's just even worse. It all started. I tried to get my metal detector out, and I was prevented. <laughs> we could have had something beautiful. Explore new possibilities, pleasure zones, and find your vibe at funlove.com. Funlove.com is a leading online retailer of sensual health and wellness products, offering a wide array of premier brands of toys, lingerie, and accessories. I know I've talked about it before, but we received the most lovely gift basket from Funlove. First of all, I didn't know what it was at first, and then when I pulled out a vibrator, I thought, oh boy, this is not your everyday fruit basket. There was everything, I'm telling you, from sexy perfumes to toys to vibrators to lube. I mean, I gotta say, it's like a one-stop shop, okay? If you go to funlove.com and you're looking for maybe a romantic evening, either with a loved one or with yourself, they've got what you're looking for, I can promise you. So what are you waiting for? Explore, discover, indulge, and make love fun by visiting funlove.com. And if you live in Arizona or Colorado, check out one of their 18 store locations. Hey, maybe I'll stop by when I'm in town. And for a limited time, you can save 30% off your first order when you use the code DRINK at funlove.com. Head to funlove.com today and use code DRINK at checkout to save 30% off your first order. Visit funlove.com today. It feels very fitting that Juniper is currently sitting on my lap uh, because we all want our cats to be healthy and happy because when they're happy, we're happy. But because we're not mind readers, we don't always know when they're unwell. And in my experience, cats are not the most, you know, open when it comes to sharing their woes. And there goes Juni, literally jumped right off me. So helping us keep tabs on our cat's health is just one reason you should use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra-absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell, thank God. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can for Blaze, because that's his job. Here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in our cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues, and Pretty Litter ships free right to your door in a small, lightweight bag. Pretty Litter 
has changed the game. The litter box is right near Leona's room, and so it is very delightful to not have that litter smell all the time when she's taking a nap. Plus, we can rest easy knowing that Juniper and his little kidneys are healthy. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com ATWWD and use code ATWWD to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com ATWWD, code ATWWD to save 20%. prettylitter.com ATWWD, code ATWWD. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Okay, for 323... I've got a spooky episode, and um, it's about a curse that maybe mm. you've heard of. I don't know if you've heard of it. I think you have. Okay. Um, it's the curse of Macbeth. Have you heard of it? <gasps> oh, yes. Yes. This is a theater thing. I was mm-hmm. never invited into the theater circles, even though I tried to force my way in. But I did Even though your literal f- job now is to go to the theaters. Correct. Okay. Like, yes, you read that correctly, and I still hold a little resentment about it, but it's fine. I, I like, I want to be a theater kid. I just, I would think I was in the wrong circles who didn't, they weren't very inviting. Let's put it that way. I think I was, like, I know, I think I was kind of meant to be a theater kid, and I didn't end you up didn't. there. Yeah. There, I knew of theater kids, and I know the stereotype of theater kids, and I feel like I did have the we theater do kid fit energy. a lot of the tropes, right? Yeah. And I think, I don't know, I think I didn't let myself go there. Um, yeah, I can see that happening, and I love that I'm the opposite, where I tried so hard, and they were like, you're <laughs> really not welcome here, but we wish M would show up, and I'm like, yeah, that sounds right. Um, <laughs> but I think it was just the circles I happened to find were maybe not, because I'm sure a lot of people listening are like, oh, you know. I've never met like really not very nice theater kids. I I don't know. I feel like the trope is that they're very inviting to outcasts and that kind of thing. And I did yep. not have that experience, unfortunately. But um, yeah, fair enough. I've, I've heard about the Macbeth curse. Yeah, I I well, I'd heard about it. Um, also, as we say the word Macbeth a bunch of times, if <gasps> this show goes awry for some reason. <laughs> Uh, it'll be because of the curse and not because we're terrible with our own tech issues. We should um, just say it every episode just in case something goes wrong. Be like, it's <laughs> not our fault. <laughs> it's either PTD or Macbeth, I tell you. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'd always heard about the Macbeth curse, but didn't really know what it was about. I just kind of knew like, oh, you don't say Macbeth in a theater. Right. And it was bad luck, allegedly, but I yeah. didn't know the history to it. So let's get into it. So Great. and. Just because you were also in 10th grade once. Uh, have you read Macbeth? I have. Thoughts? I'm sure it was great. I don't okay. Me too. I probably didn't really read it, is what I'm trying to say. I probably just skimmed it and pretended like I read it. I can nearly confirm for you I didn't read it. Yeah, um, yeah. I think both of us probably did the same thing. Um, not, a, not a single book in high school English did I ever read. I, I truly was the Spark Notes kid, and I got in trouble every time. <laughs> and guess what? I still graduated. So sorry Look about that. You. So that's our advice to all the teens out there. <laughs> Look at us. Look at us. Read some Spark Notes, and you could be a star tender on the Intergalactic Bartender Academy, <laughs> just like me. Sorry. Wow, that really did come full circle for you. I'm so impressed. Um, so, uh, here's a, a little, um, summary for Macbeth in case you are unaware. Um, mm-hmm. and also if you didn't read it, like I'm me. thoroughly aware and I know every plot point, but I would, for everybody else who's listening, who has never read it, I'd love a refresher for them. That's so, that's so generous of you. I'll, I'll make sure to do it. So I know, um, this summary, this is just a real quick one. And, um, 
it, this is a quote, three witches tell the Scottish general named Macbeth that he will be king. And encouraged by his wife, Macbeth kills the king mm. to become the new king and then kills more people out of paranoia and mm. civil war erupts. Um, so there at the end. That's cool. really all I needed to know from Love it. grade. Fun fact, uh, Macbeth was produced in, or at least around 1606, and it was probably inspired by then King James VI of Scotland, who also went by James I of England, mm. which love that he came up with two different identities. You got it sometimes, you know, see which one sticks. I, you know, it's like, uh, this isn't complicated enough. Let's change the numbers. <laughs> let's change the location. Someday in it. high school, a bunch of teenagers will really not want to learn about this. We got to complicate things as much as possible. <laughs> so um, in case you do not remember the name James I of England, he was also mentioned in our episode 230, which was literally 100 episodes ago. Oh, boy. Um, when we were talking about Agnes Sampson. Aha, uh -huh, um, yes. So, uh and Agnes Sampson was convicted for witchcraft and plotting against King James. Um, so a brief recap on James himself, when his mom, who was Mary Queen of Scots, when she had to abdicate the throne, he was crowned king as a literal baby. Mm. Um, like younger than Leona. Like oh um, imagine Leona is queen and you just have to sit there i and just like, got rid of my headache and now you're bringing it back <laughs> thank you <laughs> i'm sorry she is an actual queen let's uh, let's start there say, she already thinks that i think um anyway so uh he, i can't imagine like just holding a baby and like having to do everything for the baby and being like apparently you rule the country apparently okay. you're my boss um yeah. <laughs> and you get to say like when we go to war and stuff but... like i'm gonna be so uncomfortable when the teen years hit and oh. you hate me because i'm in so much danger yeah or when you're feeling like kind of like um uh, hormonal and then all of a sudden like you decide that we're going to war it's like come on yeah yeah <laughs> Exactly. So uh, I guess the second he became king, because he was a little baby <laughs> and very, very vulnerable, mm. um, people immediately started trying to assassinate King She's James, the baby. The baby! baby! I think because they were like, now's our time That's to insane. overthrow um, because he can't do anything about it. So this included Guy Fox blowing up Parliament eventually. I mean, this it goes on forever. He starts as a baby and then King James just lives his whole life pretty much in constant <sighs> fear as people try to assassinate him to become king. Oh, my God. Um, so one day his wife sails to England or is sailing to England and a storm stops her ship. And King James is like, I'm going to come get you, girl. And he decides that he's going to sail on over to her boat with his boat. But then another storm comes through and also destroys his boat. So uh, basically, he takes this uh, one struggle and really, you know, extrapolates it into a whole way of living. So his wife, who was sailing to England, she was sailing from Denmark, where she's from, and this was at a time when Denmark was going through its real like witch panic phase. Mm. Um, and the Danes at this point were blaming a lot of storms on witchcraft, which if, if you've listened to our rituals episode mm -hmm. on weather witches, I think we touched on this exact story there. Um, so he hears when he's trying to like rescue his bride and 
the storm keeps getting in their way and she's straight from Denmark. He overheard in some capacity, oh, the witches are causing this and you can't get to your wife. So mm. he just found witches to be yet another threat against him. Um, and he becomes obsessed with witchcraft. Who didn't at this time? Yeah. And in 1597, he publishes the book Demonology and he passes the 1604 Act Against Witchcraft. And this I feel act. Like this was his way of. Sorry to interrupt you, but I feel no. like this was his way of taking all of that, like, targets against him that he couldn't control and being like, well, this is one I can actually target. Yeah, you know, he's, projecting. he's projecting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, he's lumping it all into one target. Yes, he's like, this is something I can actually control. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we're going to do. So he passes an act the 1604 act against witchcraft and this act makes it mandatory to hang people convicted for witchcraft (gasps) and it doesn't matter what they've done they could have done nothing wrong so far just been accused boom dead that's bad um which is why i talked about agnes Sampson with him because i think it was like the worst outside of salem it was like the worst witch trial or uh, roll the tape go 100 episodes back (laughs) Whatever I said then is what I meant. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And so uh, at these witch trials, another weird thing about it is that he is the one that is like trying the witches and interrogating them. And like, Mm. he's very involved, like a little too involved. Yeah. Where usually they would just have the townspeople handle this. Um, But again, I think he just wants to control something. And this Mm. is something he feels he can control. So... um, this whole time period in this area of the world is all about witches, kings being assassinated or trying to be assassinated, treason. They're very major themes and whatever their version of pop culture is at the time. Ah. And this leads to Shakespeare having some inspiration. He's like, I'm going to write me a, a real humdinger. And he writes Macbeth. I see. And he even performs it in front of the king himself, which is like such a oh, bold move. Brazen. Can you imagine? Like, and also, like, spoiler alert: the king didn't like Macbeth. So, like, can you imagine being Shakespeare and like you're like, I wrote this for you, and you were my inspiration for the Awkward. whole story. And you're at his like royal court performing it just for him, and then he's just like, I hate it. You're like, either like so ignorant to the situation, or you're just like so ballsy that you pulled it off either way you know what i mean like you went through with it anyway i can't decide yeah. Macbeth wasn't the only tragedy that day it was uh, <laughs> oh that <laughs> that's was all I'm gonna that, say. that's what we saw in the paper when the what's <laughs> that guy who re- reviews all critiques all the movies i don't know the famous I, one i'm gonna age myself M. schultz <laughs> oh <laughs> i don't know i don't know the guy <laughs> I was I was gonna age myself and say like that felt like a Perez Hilton headline. Of oh, like, well, I'm aging myself because I'm talking about Roger Ebert, who I think is like <laughs> way older than Perez Hilton. <laughs> I think Perez Hilton might be like the millennial reference. So okay, sure, I follow, sure, sure. I follow that. So um, anyway, he writes Macbeth for the king, or is inspired by the king. Um, and another fun fact: this Macbeth, Macbeth is where. We get lines like double, double, toil and trouble, mm. fire, burn, and cauldron bubble. This, we also get the line, something wicked this way comes. <gasps> and this is where we get, um, there's a little, um, not controversy, but one of the theories is that uh, Macbeth is where we get ingredients like eye of newt and toe of frog. Mm-hmm. So I know that you've said that um, 
you've described the like, oh, it wasn't really an eye of newt. It was like a mustard seed mustard, because it right. looked like an eye of newt. But I guess one of the original legends to these witchcraft ingredients was that they were code to disguise recipes in front of other people. But if you said it like that, then people, I guess you were kind of leading that you were into witchcraft mm-hmm. or something. Um, but all of that information comes from a book in 1985 by an author named Scott Cunningham, who I guess was spreading a lot of misinformation about witchcraft at the Aww. time. And so we don't know if that code was real or not. I could see it being real. Like, that's definitely a believable fact. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as we know, the first time phrases like Eye of Newt ever popped up in any writing was Macbeth, which is definitely oh. older than 1985. So. Oh, okay. I see. And 1985, we're talking satanic panic. Like, mm-hmm. who knows what kind of stuff was spreading. Exactly. Um, so Shakespeare, uh, also in the, like I said, in the summary of Macbeth, there are three witches and Shakespeare wrote these witches named them basically the weird sisters. Um, and he wrote them so compelling that a rumor starts <gasps> after people start seeing this play. Oh, the rumor is that Shakespeare actually stole real spells from a real grimoire to write the opening act uh, or the opening of act four. Ooh. Um, and when witches, found out that he stole their spells for his play. They cursed anyone performing the play for using their spells for entertainment. Oh, my. And that's where we start with the curse of Macbeth. I didn't know that. And now you do. That's spooky. Um, so it all really starts from like the very first performance of Macbeth. No performance has ever been safe. Apparently where when Shakespeare is performing it in front of King James, uh, the actor playing Lady Macbeth died. I'm so sorry because you have a headache right now of a fever. What? (laughs) So do you have a fever? Are you feeling warm right now, Christine? Uh, I am now, but I think that's hypochondria. Um, (laughs) Wait, so she died during the performance? Mm-hmm. Oh, my. What? Well, and by she, I got to say, this was a time when men were doing oh, all the parts. Sure. So it was an actor named Hal Barrage playing oh, Lady Macbeth. my God. And he died so suddenly that Shakespeare himself had to step in and, like, understudy for him for the first performance ever in front of the king. No wonder he was like, I didn't like the play. Someone died in front of me. Um, (laughs) I feel like he would love that. I feel like he'd be like, well, that really added some dimension to this thing, you know? (laughs) It's so messed up, but you're totally right. Um, And so so from the get-go, these... Holy shit. Macbeth has been cursed. Um, In the later 1600s, there was an actor named Henry Harris who played the character Macduff. And in, in the play, there's this big dual scene where... Macduff and I think Macbeth are fighting or sword right. fighting. Um, so in the 1600s, one actor playing Macduff, he was in the duel scene. Both actors had real swords because it was the 1600s. Jeez. <laughs> oh, and Henry accidentally ran through Macbeth's actor and stabbed the guy in the eye <gasps> and killed him on stage in front of everybody. Oh my God. In 1882, uh, it was a closing night performance, and one of the actors, also part of the duel scene, accidentally stabbed his co-star in the chest, and that actor barely survived. 
Jesus. What? They're still using these real swords? They sure are. All the <sighs> way into 47, when another actor accidentally stabbed his co-star in the chest during the duel scene and this time ultimately killed the actor. Oh, my gosh. I think that actor had to go through two major surgeries for his wounds and then died from either the actual injury or the, the side effects of the surgery. Horrific. Um, fun fact, the actor who died, he allegedly still haunts the Oldham theater in Manchester. And he's seen on Thursdays, which is the day he was stabbed. I love that. He keeps a calendar still. <laughs> he's like, I have other plans on the other days. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you can catch me on the weekly anniversary, but wow. other than that, I'm not available. That's, I would haunt that place too. Yeah. Yeah, I would haunt maybe the guy who stabbed me oh, that's for true. a little bit. Um, so also, in all the way in the 1970s, this is still happening. In the 1970s, there was a crew that was unloading equipment with a crane, getting ready for the show that night. And a random guy stopped by, saw the, the crew working, and was like, hey, what play is performing here later? And as the stagehand <gasps> said, Macbeth, a prop spear fell from the crane and stabbed the guy that just walked was walking by. Oh my god, the guy who asked what play it is? Uh-huh. <gasps> Famous last words. Another oh. time in Amsterdam, uh and by the way, in the show Macbeth kills King Duncan. So the actor playing Macbeth in this particular production, the actor playing Macbeth was sleeping with the guy who was playing Duncan's wife in real oh, life. Oh, I thought you were going to say with the guy who's playing Duncan. I was like, ooh, spicy. This yeah, is like, less ooh. fun. It's less fun. still spicy, but like in a messy way. Like, yeah, yeah, and like way dramatic. Sure. Yeah. So the two of them hated each other because I think the guy who oh. was playing Duncan knew that the guy who was playing Macbeth was sleeping with his wife. Bad. And so they already had tension and the guy playing Macbeth during their fight scene in the play brought a real fucking knife on stage and in front of everybody stabbed the guy playing Duncan. King oh, Duncan. no. <sighs> in 1937, which I He's guess like, we're going no, back it was in time. Just, it was just a curse. And they're like, we saw you stab him with your knife. He's like, it was I, a curse. <laughs> I couldn't do I couldn't help it. I wonder if he was like really hoping that that would be the storyline people like cover. ran with of like like i didn't know it wasn't a prop which like <laughs> one time i will say i had one of those like retractable fake oh, knives and i really accidentally swapped them out i accidentally swapped them out and like went to like show somebody <gasps> and M. like ends up stabbing my own at hand. least on yourself i hope on myself okay yeah. good that could have been but worse I, I think but i remember thinking like oh my god what if i pretended to stab my well friend? i mean not to like pull up this whole thing but like the alec baldwin with the yes prop yes. gun it's like this shit really still happens it very much still happens so i wonder if that was a storyline he was hoping people would think of of like oh i didn't know it was a, yeah. it wasn't a prop knife um which is not the alec baldwin story by the way no no um but uh yeah so that guy got stabbed in 1937 a rope was holding a weight backstage that somehow snapped it the weight snapped and came crashing down onto the stage broke one of the actor's swords and that piece of the sword flew into the audience and killed a man in who was sit sitting in the oh audience my, so even the audience is not safe yeah, it's it's scarily interactive for everybody this curse um, yeah i don't like that I think he only, I think he, something happened with that guy where he didn't like get stabbed. He like got hit by the sword and like it scared him enough. It scared him into a heart attack and he died. Like something even more crazy. Oh, God. That same theater group, by the way, who 
experienced that. They also saw the director and their actress get into car accidents the week before, and other accidents and or, and other actors ended up slowing down production with their own issues, including one who um, had a really really terrible case of losing their voice. Mm-hmm. Another person was. Um, grieving their dog who had just died during production and then that same actress who was grieving her own dog had a heart attack during the final dress rehearsal what the fuck and years later the show Macbeth was going to perform at this venue again and it hadn't since that that production Um, and so they're like we're gonna have a portrait of that actress who died during the dress rehearsal we're gonna have a portrait of her in her honor Uh at the theater now that Macbeth is playing here again and on opening night, that portrait flew off the wall and shattered onto the ground. <gasps> oh, my God. In 1970, another actor playing Macbeth died of a heart attack on stage. Oh, no. And another time, a critic who came to the show and gave it a bad review died of a heart attack. So, wait, hold on. The, these so this curse just is, like, indiscriminate. Or... It's like, well, we don't like the play, but you also can't like it well i feel kind of scared now as someone with multiple heart conditions and i just said i never read i never read it and i keep saying the word big bath i'm a little terrified on my own show right now so um whatever i need to do good vibes good vibes (laughs) that's Um, it that's all you got to do i think and this is where we switch over where i just tell you about the fires god oh um (laughs) jesus okay so another time um this was in 1721 there was a real douchebag in the audience. Let's just start there. Okay. He was apparently a nobleman, which who cares? Um, he <laughs> sat on a he sat on the stage during the play. He didn't sit in his seat. He sat on the stage while Ew. everyone was acting. <laughs> what a weirdo! And then saw a friend of his in the audience. So he got up in the middle of everyone acting and walked across the stage to say hi mid scene. What a lunatic. What a weird thing to do. Truly just like, I can't think of a more narcissist move ever. It's so Um, bizarre. Yeah. Like, okay, buddy. So anyway, the actors were like pissed that this guy was ruining their scene. And I guess they weren't very much uh, the show must go on people where they were like, well, we'll just ignore it and keep acting. They really were like, fucking get out of here. We don't want you here. So they chased him out of the theater with their real swords. (gasps) Honestly, okay, I'm going to hear how the story ends first before I make any commentary. No, you're allowed to, because then that douchebag guy came back with his friends all, like, hurt that he got embarrassed publicly, and he set the building on fire (gasps) and burnt the theater to the ground. What a lunatic. And then we don't know if he ever got caught or anything. We don't know. What a lunatic. Well, like, I'm sure his wife was accused of witchcraft, you know? Right. So, like <laughs> Get a grip, dude. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, he sounds like someone who would absolutely accuse his wife of witchcraft because she, sure. like, didn't smile Just out of, like, convenience, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Um, in 1928, at the Royal Court Theatre in London, this was their very, f- this was Macbeth's very first modern dress production where people were just in their normal clothes. Okay. And set pieces kept falling apart. Production had intense tech issues. And even one of the set pieces, um, it fell and injured a bunch of actors. And I guess later also caused a fire. <gasps> um, and then in 1953, the actor playing Macbeth's tights. I don't. Wait, what? In a court. Yeah. <laughs> in a courtroom. I don't know where how this would fucking stand. But apparently the actor playing Macbeth's tights somehow got soaked in kerosene. <gasps> And he later got burns on stage. 
Um, Do you know how stupid I am? Why I was like, what? I thought you said the actor playing Macbeth's tights. And I was like, that's a role in this play? Oh. <laughs> I thought you meant like the actor who was performing like as the person Beth. playing Christine's t-shirt. Yeah, I was like, this is a modern performance. I was like, wow, that is over my head. I don't get it, but I'm sure it was great. So yeah. Stupid. In recent years, they've had people playing Macbeth's joggers. I don't yeah. know if you knew that, but is Crocs in sports mode and not sports mode. Uh, I was it like, takes two different people for that. That's a swing ensemble or something. <laughs> I heard one of them was sleeping with the other one's wife. Just saying. I don't want to be dramatic. But <laughs> can you imagine the storyline of like, and then the left tight stabbed yeah. the right tight? <laughs> playing the Crocs. Wait, what? That's not part of the story. Just let me get to the point. Oh well, man, truly a modern retelling. Yeah, beautiful. So in the same performance where this guy's tights got soaked in kerosene, oh, um, again zero context to that. Um, in the same performance, the actors that played soldiers storming the castle they had real torches on stage oh no and a strong wind blew <gasps> through the theater and the flames flew into the audience <gasps> oh no that's even worse i feel like with enough bad luck why would someone say let's bring fire to the party uh, like you know? at a certain point you gotta just do all prop stuff like all rubber yeah yeah. Fake fire, everything. Just Fake can't, everything. Can't just be. do it on Zoom at this point. Just yeah, so do nobody... a, virtu- a virtual show. <laughs> yeah. yeah, do it like like Ratatouille in, 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 <laughs> on TikTok, TikTok where everyone was in their own individual Zoom camera. <laughs> so safe, so comfortable. By the way, I feel like we don't ever talk about that Ratatouille Isn't experience. That incredible how it just like came and went so fast, and it's like it was such a monumental moment, and then it just like passed to the next thing. There's um like that meme going around of like some I don't know idiot person was like oh well n- you know the COVID didn't really cause any mental illness for people or and oh, then yeah. people are just replying with like the ways that they had clearly fucking oh, lost yeah. their minds I haven't seen it anywhere but my little note to that would be I s- stayed up all night to watch the ratatouille from TikTok <laughs> <laughs> okay like- <laughs> that's what it was it was like uh. New, it was like from the guardian it was like new study shows that mental illness did not increase during uh lockdown or something and everyone's He's retweeting like, it with like well i befriended like a, a rat a mouse that lived in my apartment or like yeah my, or someone, my friend there built was, a whole paper mache friend or i don't know my my uh my favorite was this one person was like my roommate and i had a corner called the glass <laughs> corner where we would yeah. just shatter our beer bottles <laughs> <laughs> It's like a whole so, corner, just glass. Oh, God. Anyway, my note to that would be uh, the ratatouille. It like not just me staying up to watch it, but the amount of people it took to create the ratatouille. That yes. um, just like that working was, together. That from was afar. clearly global mental illness. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Anyone who was buying into that, which was like everyone, um, everyone, me too. Shared entirely. delusion, you know, like folia de shared delusion. All just mentally ill. I, I literally bought like even and bravo to everyone who chipped in and was like you know what this is a time an unprecedented time <laughs> yeah. and uh and everyone is really just looking for any excitement anywhere so yeah. we're gonna lean into us and literally playbill created a playbill for the ratatouille <laughs> taxi cabs were like showing it on their like their neon lights above their cars yes. like there were billboards in, in like Times square, Time square. For the square and i literally bought two of the playbills and <laughs> It was just so one day our kids could bring them to history class for show and tell to be like, this is 
how far we slipped. Yeah, <laughs> like, this is talk about mental illness. Yeah, but in uh, the best way. It was like su- such a collaborative community-based experience of like where we got nothing to do. We're just all inside. Wayne Brady is Ratatouille. And we're gonna and Wayne Brady's also here and we're gonna make something <laughs> thoroughly unhinged. <laughs> Wayne Brady is playing uh Ratatouille's tights and he's gonna do a kick-ass job. I still think it was one of the best things to come out of COVID, which, you know, that says not too much. But I I think <laughs> in the world of COVID, I knew everything was gonna be okay after the Ratatouille. Yeah, skull. we sort of like thought, oh, we've we're coping, you know? Yeah, we're coping. We're coping. It, it doesn't look like that. Maybe, but you know, we're doing what we it's can. It's hard to believe, but just trust me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what a tangent. Um, fire. There's fire everywhere There's fire. in every theater. Cool. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all in one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Everyone knows the holidays can take a toll on your bank account. If you're looking for creative ways to increase revenue, then get started with Squarespace's new feature, Squarespace Courses. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course. Start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with the powerful built-in Fluid Engine Editor. With Squarespace courses, you can create engaging content your audience will love, then simply add a paywall and set the price. Plus, you can charge a one-time fee or sell subscriptions. Turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to www.squarespace.com slash drink to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Daylight saving time is starting up again. It may feel like there are more hours in the day, but if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates any sooner. There's only one way to do that. ZipRecruiter. Right now, you can try it for free at ziprecruiter.com slash drink. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100-plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. ZipRecruiter's smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. Spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why 4 out of 5 employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash drink. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash drink. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So in 1926, let's just keep going with the fires. Mm. Um, In 1926, there was one production that had several costumes catch on fire. I don't know if they were also soaked in kerosene. Um, There were more set pieces that kept falling apart. There were multiple robberies. And the lead actor got so exhausted from probably literally putting out fires that he quit. Um, And then he got replaced by someone. And this replacement, I guess, hadn't practiced as much stage combat as he had. And nearly killed Lady Macbeth's actress. Um, in 1971, there was a production that had two fires during its time and seven robberies. What is these robberies? Like, they're just pickpocketing people in the audience? I don't know. Like, are they ste- so strange. stealing Macbeth? What I don't are they know. robbing? Like, a fake sword? <laughs> a real sword? I don't know. Fire? I don't know. Um, 
And then on top of all the fires, there were also riots. So there was a riot in 1849. There were two actors who were really duking it out with each other. One guy named William Charles McCready and another named Edwin Forrest. Um, The very, very quick, like, down low I could get on this was um, down low, low down. The 411. Give me the the DL. Give me the down low. Oh, no, I think you say on the DL. On the down low, but then you say, g- oh, "What's the give low me down? The low down, yeah." Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. You are so um, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, honestly, going back to TikTok, if this was a relevant fuel uh, feud t- today, I would know everything about it if I just searched their names and TikTok would tell oh, me everything right. about We'd their fight. We figured out quickly. Um, but what I could find in a moment's notice between William Charles McCready and Edwin Forrest is that. Um, the U.S. felt that William represented like hoity-toity England mm. and the wealthy British elite, whereas Edwin was representing U.S. laborers. Mm. And uh, in 1949, this turned out to it. This turned into an all-out class war, and William was starring in a Macbeth production, and then blocks away just to spite him. Edwin, who was following his tour. It sounds like stalking. Yeah. Um, he was also starring as Macbeth right down the road in a different production. Oh, like boy. just to fuck with him. So it sounds like Edwin was the messy one. And he was messy enough that he had 10,000 messy followers. And all of them uh, showed up to William's production to protest. And it turned into a riot where around 30 people died. Oh, my God. And over 100 people were injured. God. I mean, 10,000 supporters. Yeah. And this was before social media. This was literally like 1849. How were they all finding out about what this? What are you doing? How did 10,000 people organize? Okay. Um, another time, there was another uh, actress who played Lady Macbeth. Her name was Sarah Siddons. And, I think it's Siddons. And... Um, People apparently hated that she got the role. So when she showed up, angry mobs would try to like attack her. And she ended up getting into uh, like the green room or backstage on her own. But people still sneered her performance when she was up on stage. They damaged the theater. And this caused ticket prices to go up so that the theater could cover repairs. But then it became a whole uh, it became a whole other riot because then people had to spend more money to see her. Um, and she ended up, by the way, Sarah ended up briefly retiring because of this, because the stress was too much, but then she started acting again and became the first woman to ever play Hamlet. Fuck yeah. So good Suck for Suck it, haters. Um, another famous, uh, Lady Macbeth, uh, her name was Diana Weinard. I really hope I'm saying that right. Theater kids are going to scream. Diana. Not clearly I wasn't Weinard. welcome, so I can't tell you. Uh, so there's a sleepwalking scene in in the yes. show, and, uh, and she during says, her spot, something about a spot. Oh yeah, she does. Yeah, spot, get out or something. Let me see, spot, out, damn spot. That's what I meant. Yeah, out oh, damn spot, because she sees in her dream state the blood. She it's mm. the guilt is eating her alive. Interesting. I remember doing a whole project on that exact scene, yeah. not knowing what was going on. No clue. Cool. You were like, she had a stain, like, time to go wasn't around, I guess. I don't know. It was very Well, confusing. I remember my friend Rachel sticking her hands in, like, spaghetti sauce. And Ew. then me filming her just, like, walking around. Like, that, clothes, sounds, she, 
That close her right. eyes with spaghetti sauce all over her. You were like, I think this is exactly what happened in the book, in the <laughs> I'm play. Like, I'm like, our teacher's going to fucking love this. Um, <laughs> She's going to eat it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so during the sleepwalking st- uh, scene, this uh, actress fell off a 15-foot stage platform. Oh, fucking hell. She ended up being fine, um, but the night before, she had actually been telling reporters she didn't believe in the Macbeth curse. Well, well, well. What do you know? Dangerous. So in 1940, there was a director named Margaret Webster who got appendicitis. Mm. And uh, and then when she recovered, the actress playing Lady Macbeth got laryngitis. And so oh, the no. director stepped in for the actress that night. But then she ended up getting like another whole illness. Mm. Um, and on top of all that, other curse incidents were that actors were getting into vehicle accidents um costumes and props kept vanishing the power kept going out there were other additional tech issues and people were getting sick left and right and there was even one production where 26 cast and crew members came down with different sicknesses all one after another after other setbacks had already delayed the show several months at that point like you just gotta read the writing writing on the wall right you know like i know let's just give it up let's go do let's go perform i don't know kinky boots that's the only thing i can think of <laughs> i've never seen it i have no idea but it's either Macbeth or kinky boots i've I been telling them left and right don't know the difference to be honest <laughs> <laughs> another director uh once came down with the shingles days before opening and then actors all had several broken bones on stage <gasps> Like they can't broke even... them on stage, or they like came out with like casts they... on. No, 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 like they, like they got, they became broken during oh. the play. Oh God! <sighs> yeah, yikes! Ooh. In 1942, perhaps the most notorious production is when three actors died during production, including two of the witches. That can't be real. Are you serious? Three? Then on opening. Then on opening night, the set manager went into the theater's costume room and died by suicide, <gasps> which I don't I don't know if I don't know what their deal was. But if they also just saw multiple people die right. on stage, I don't know if that triggered I mean, this something is clearly for them. a very traumatizing event either way. Yeah, I don't whether it's a curse or not. I mean, yikes. Well, some even say that the Macbeth curse played a role in the Lincoln assassination because Lincoln loved Macbeth and even said, there's, it has been quoted saying, I think nothing equals Macbeth. It is wonderful. And a week before his death, he was reciting Macbeth scenes with his friends, especially the scene where Macbeth assassinates King Duncan. And then a week later, he went to a play and got assassinated. Ooh, I just got chills. Um... Like I said, uh, a fun fact from earlier is that King James I did not like the play, which is so awkward for Shakespeare, but so also awkward. maybe he had a fucking feeling, you know, like he was like, yeah, something crazy's in the air. He's hitting this, hitting me wrong about this, you know, like you've, you've conjured something very odd in this play about witches. I don't know what it is. Not to be dramatic, but I wonder if it's also like Shakespeare stepping in to actually perform in it. I feel like that just mm. adds to the whole like creepiness factor. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like also, I guess it's Shakespeare and I guess it's your moment in front of the king. Like, I'm sure you could come up with excuses, but if you just were performing for the first time ever a play in front of the king and someone died, maybe stop the play real quick. Just you like know? for a second. Like I would, you know? Yeah, I probably would too. Uh, anyway, that's just how I would handle it, but I guess they handled it differently. I think you and um, I would not ever actually make it there because we'd be so nervous backstage. We'd be like throwing up and 
We'd be the dead ones, probably. <laughs> we'd, I don't think we'd survive. I, uh, I, I don't think we would survive at all. Um, so because King James I did not like this play so much, it ended up actually not being played in England for several years. Oh, God. Um, and when it came back to England in 1703, the show returned to London and opening night was interrupted by a freak windstorm equal to a Category 2 hurricane. What? And this storm ended up not only destroying thousands of buildings, but killed somewhere between fifteen to 30,000 people. <gasps> oh, my God. The first like time the play came back. A natural disaster occurred that, had never, that was not known to be mm-hmm. in England, of all things, like a typhoon. <laughs> and Forget all- it. And it still happens all the way into the 2000s. So in 2012 at the Sydney Opera House, the show was postponed because actors and the assistant director got severe food poisoning, leaving uh, some of the people hospitalized. <gasps> a year later, one actor was hit with a sword in an opening battle scene and had to be hospitalized after the show. Mm-hmm. And in 2018, there was an article that came out that an access manager at Shakespeare's Globe Theater said he will never say Macbeth and th- in a theater which is kind of the where this has all come from right. like a lot of people now don't talk about Macbeth in theaters um i hope nobody's guy, like working on set deck right now and it's like well shit <laughs> right 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 yeah sorry by the way Whoops. if you do work at a theater and you've been listening this whole Too time late. I, I like to think you just turned us off and you're like this is maybe a car ride home show. yeah let's <laughs> wait till we're off the property so uh Apparently, this guy who was doing the interview, he said that while touring in his last show, a fiddle player, a fiddle player in the show said, oh, I used to study Macbeth in school and said that <gasps> at the theater. So, like, obviously not very well you studied it. You would have known better. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Yeah. That night during their show, two violinist strings snapped during the show. One dancer fell off the stage and another danced into a wall, which would be that's me. me. Yeah, that's us. We'd be like, that was a curse again. I don't know. Yeah, it never every time before. Every time I ever fall, I'm just going to be like, oh, man, someone said Macbeth. I'm I can't so, believe it. I can't it. help it. Somebody's playing my podcast in a theater. <laughs> I, it's this episode. So it's become common knowledge in theaters to never say the word Macbeth or bad luck will fall on the show. And do you know what people say instead of Macbeth if they have to talk about it in a theater? You know, I think I've heard this as a fun fact, but I don't remember. I think you, because this is how I found out. I heard about it when I was in a theater and I heard someone say this phrase and I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? And they were like, we can't say we the can't other tell thing. you. And I was like, well, that's eerie, but I sure need to know the information now. And it was before smartphones, so I couldn't, like, look it up myself. I was just, like, sitting Where in, like, were you? angst. Oh, okay. I thought it was, like, at one of our shows. I was like... No, no, no. It was, was at, like, it was in high school. Highbrow conversation at one of our shows about It was high school or college. It was a, a theater thing. Mm. Um, I wouldn't understand. Okay. Right, right, right. Um, but apparently what you say instead is uh, you call it the Scottish play. Oh, maybe I didn't know that. That's not familiar to me. And if you're talking about Macbeth the person, you call it the call him the Scottish king. Ooh. Okay. And apparently productions that use sign language even sign Macbeth. They use the same sign for Scotland to censor the no name. No way. Because That's they're so scared fact. of saying it. That's, That's a really fun fact. Probably the most fun fact of the of the episode. Yeah. Um, there are also blogs and videos of actors talking about their own productions of Macbeth and how it cursed them. 
Um, one anecdote was that multiple, this is from one guy who was performing who said multiple actors got arrested throughout production for totally unrelated reasons. What? So now it's just like criminal activity. It's like law and order. It's natural disasters. It's everything. Despite all of this, some people are still skeptical and blame the coincidence on the play being 400 years old. And in that time, there's statistically a lot of room for many performers for performances to have had moments of bad luck. I can but, see that argument, but but that doesn't excuse all the other plays that have been around that long that don't have this same stereotype of being unlucky, including the Greek tragedy Oedipus that is 2,400 years old and nobody has ever called it cursed. Well, it is cursed because do you know what that's about? Um, the Oedipus complex, Oedipal complex, yes, Oedipus complex. I think it's Oedipus. I'm pretty sure, but I don't know. Um, yeah. So I guess it's already cursed. It didn't need an extra curse, you know. Fair enough. Uh, but at least nobody's dying in fires and riots. So yeah, they really took it and ran with it. This Macbeth. I'm like scared to say it now. And we're I'm <laughs> in the my Scottish house. play. The yeah, the Scottish play. play. Yeah, I like that. I like that little code word. And uh, if you do happen to say the word Macbeth in a theater. You're apparently supposed to like do a ritual in order to. Yeah. What is that? Do you know what? You don't know what it is. It sounds like it's kind of like every school and every production and every director has like their own silly thing. Oh, 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 oh. It's kind of like. You kind of take it back. You're like, I'm sorry. (laughs) What's it like when like you want it to snow the next day? So you have a snow day and you You do the little snow dance. You flush the toilet seven times. Yeah. Yeah, everyone's got like a like it's a little different every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing here, where it sounds like essentially you go outside, you spin around a certain amount of times. Uh, <laughs> one of the theories is that you spit over your shoulder, and then oh. sometimes it depends on which shoulder. Um, and then you have to do all this stuff, and you have to go knock on the theater door and let somebody welcome you back inside. They have to be like you've spun around enough and spit enough in the parking <laughs> lot. We'll finally let you back in. <laughs> Um, and apparently sometimes you have to say certain phrases or you have to quote certain things while you're doing all this stuff to like, you know, manifest good luck. And a lot of times the things you have to say are words from other Shakespearean plays. Oh, okay. That's kind of fun. So one of them apparently is, um, an excerpt from Hamlet, Hamlet. Um, and this is the quote that again, this isn't every time, but apparently this is what some people do. Imagine someone just spitting and spinning around (laughs) while they say this. Angels and ministers of grace defend us. Be thou a spirit of health or goblin damned. Being with thee airs from heaven or blasts from hell. Be thy intense wicked or charitable. Thou comest in such a questionable shape that I will speak to thee. Which I I can't imagine memorizing that. I don't even remember two words from that entire thing you just said to me. That's called just having bad luck forever now because there's no way I'm going to be able to say that. Do I get note cards? Like, I don't know. It's just very complicated. (laughs) I feel like if you have to memorize that, no one's ever coming back from the bad luck. Sorry. Uh, Anyway, you could say it with Hamlet excerpts. You could say it with probably other Shakespearean excerpts. You can dance around, maybe in your pajamas, flush the toilet a couple times. (laughs) But anything that it takes to keep yourself from the Macbeth curse. And that's the that's the story. And that was really good. I didn't know quite what to expect, but that was really good. I I think curses are such an interesting concept that we don't really talk about too much. Like, I know you've done the curse of uh, what was that guy's car? Well, who's that guy? He had a car and it's cursed. Oh, Jim, Jim, not Jim Dean. 
James that's, Dean. James Jim Dean. Dean Jim, Jimmy Dean's sausage. sausage. <laughs> <laughs> that's also cursed. I'm just gonna put it out there. Yeah, okay. I definitely. don't think it's being said, but I'm gonna say it. James Dean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> James Dean. Um, yeah, I feel like wow, that's I just I think the concept of a curse is so fascinating. Um I just hope to never come face to face with one. Exactly. It's almost like I am interested in it, but I'm just going to let it sit there and not get too close because I don't want to be involved. I'm interested in a way where I would like to be like Olivia Benson and the curses in the room with the like one-sided mirror. Oh, where, you, like, yeah, 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 yeah. One-way mirror. Like, yeah. That way, like I can see it fully and it just doesn't even know I'm there. You and know? you're also Olivia Benson. So it's a win-win. Oh, Marishka. Ah, Take love me. Her. <laughs> Gotta oh. love her. Okay. Um, that was great, Em. I, I really, really liked that. Um, good job. Thank you. Thank you. Your turn to do a good job. Don't okay, mess up. Well, I feel like you'll like this one, okay? This okay. is I think you'll like it. This is the story of Burke and Hare. Do you know these folks? It, it's it's one no. of those where like you'll they were like some of the original body snatchers from Oh from back in the day. No, I don't. Grave I don't robbers, that. body snatchers, all that good stuff. Burke and Hare. Yes. They're Hare. two H A R E. Oh, like a bunny. Yeah. Burke and Bunny. Okay. It's, got it. Now you'll remember. Um, so we're going, guess where we're going. I didn't even put this together. What, England? Edinburgh. Scotland. Oh, gosh. I thought you were going to say, like, King James I's castle on the <laughs> Macbeth Maybe? performance stage. Uh, I'm not okay, that Edinburgh. great. Yeah, Edinburgh. So uh, over, just a little quick, quick side note for you. Edinburgh first began to grow as a settlement in the 12th century, and it became a big prosperous city over the centuries. And so uh, during the uh, late Georgian period, which is like the when the Victorian era started, Edinburgh was the heart of the Scottish Enlightenment. And this was a time when philosophers, mathematicians, scientists, inventors, all like kind of flocked to the city and tried to challenge like the old school way of doing things, um, tried to come up with a new approach, just, you know, what you think of when you think of enlightenment, like just a new era of thinking. Sure. Yeah. So Voltaire, the French philosopher once said, we look to Scotland for all our ideas of civilization, which mm. I did not know it was such a center for, I don't know. Uh, it's the town of enlightenment, apparently. Enlightenment. Yeah. New wave thinking. Um, but, of course, there were major issues in the city, just like any big city, um, poverty and overcrowding being the the main ones. Mm -hmm. As more and more people moved to town, middle and upper class people started sharing streets and even buildings with the working class, God forbid. Uh, this was unheard of at the time. So, basically, here's just like an example to give you an idea. There was a countess whose English friends were shocked to find out that her apartment was just one floor above a fishmonger. <gasps> literally oh God, the notes don't say, let her parents find out the, the notes literally say gasp like you literally nailed it <laughs> you, you on, right on cue you know thank you so much yeah um so in the narrow streets which were called closes or closes uh lined with high built lodging people would dump their chamber pots out of the window mm. This was Close. just how you would dispose. There was no sewage, you know, this is just, there's no draining. You just dump it out. So you can just imagine, I know we've talked about this, but like the smell and how filth you must just get used to it. Like how else would you function? Um, yeah. I wonder, yeah, I just can't imagine. I feel like that'd be so distracting if you time traveled and you were like, am I standing oh in poop? Oh my God. You know? Thank you for mentioning time I travel. I didn't think about it until just now, but like that would be a really big hiccup. You'd have to train like NASA does with the gravity thing. 
you yeah. have to train no, the you, scent. <laughs> no, that makes total sense. I can't. I mean, if you got out of your DeLorean and took one breath you'd of oxygen, you'd go and like and go you'd right back in the car. Suddenly, I would be like, "What's your deal?" You know, I'd be like, like, "Take me back. I don't care. Back. It's not worth it. <laughs> it's not worth it." Like, and also like the biohazard. Like, oh, just... good point. The illness, and yes, I mean that's literally one of the next bullets. Is like. Of course, then illness becomes a huge issue. Disease spreading. I mean, ooh, it just makes your I mean, skin like, crawl. And also, this is like such like a very niche thing. But like, imagine having little kids and they're just like running out to the balcony, putting their hands on the balcony, covered in someone else's <gasps> suit. Like they're like going to play, and you're like, well, they're coming and then back they, like, in poop. And then they, they do the thing, and then they like lick wipe their, their nose. hands, and it's oh. like, yeah, everyone just eating everyone's matter. Ugh. Oh. I'm gonna be I'm sorry. Ill. No, I'm I mean, so sorry. Don't be sorry. It's it's what happened. Uh it's Oof. disturbing. Oh boy. Okay, so of course, literally next bullet, the usual problems of overcrowding, noise, pollution, and disease. Uh mm-hmm. so in the late 1700s, construction started on what was called Newtown, Edinburgh, where the wealthy could thankfully escape all of the lowbrow folks that they were with all the woes they yeah, have all their know? many woes imagine like they had to dump their chamber pot right where someone else who was poor was dumping their chamber pot how embarrassing like, that should like be the most humbling experience like for anyone who thinks they're a diva it's like you're still pouring your poop out I mean, like everyone the, else the literal phrase like your shit stink your shit still yes. stinks like li- this is literally like you're not that. special glorg <laughs> yeah. karen glorg Karen 3000, give it a rest, okay? (laughs) Dump your chamber pot where everybody else does. Uh, Yeah, so by the 1800s now, we have essentially two cities, like, distinct from one another. There's Old Town Edinburgh and New Town. And in 1818, the first steam ferry began operating between Belfast and Glasgow, and there was this major boom in Irish emigration into Scotland. Um, so by 1822, which is only four years later, the Union Canal linked Edinburgh and Glasgow. And now there's this like big influx of workers from Ireland. So Old Town keeps growing and New Town keeps like trying to run away from Old Town, like expanding <laughs> in the other direction because they're like, no, they're coming closer with their poop, you know. I- <laughs> I like to imagine it's like one of the um like those like like a Disney like animated maps where like you could see like the line drawing behind somebody of oh, like yeah, as they're like the zooming chase. around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. Um basically they're like trying to escape. Um but both of them, both of their shit still sank, okay? And they both had another similar problem, which was that both of their cemeteries were way overcrowded. Oof. So Edinburgh had buried its dead in a place called, I think you've talked about Greyfriars Kirk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we you, like about how haunted it is. And like, there's that guy that scratches people and stuff. I, I feel like we've talked about this, I think, r- recently. And I don't know if it was on here or on Rituals. Um, it checking? was here, my friend. It was episode 214, actually. No, wait, so, that's not right. Oh. It was 306. So like really recently, yeah. I thought I was like, we've just talked about this. Um, so this was uh the the place where the place to go once you've died. Um, <laughs> it was opened in 1562, and by the end of the 18th century, nearly 1,200 people a year were laid to rest there. Em did a wonderful job covering this. Um, go back to episode oh, three three o two. You said three o six. Three o six. Don't 
I mean, you can do 302 too, but I don't know what we talked about there. Um, <laughs> it's probably something stupid. Uh, so in times of plague and other disease, as you can imagine, there were just like these mass graves that were having to be dug in the Kirk because it wasn't just the usual average amount of bodies. It was like we need room for, you know, a whole mass of them. And for families who couldn't afford to inter their loved ones in fancy mausoleums, the only option was burying them in a spot that might already be taken by someone else. Yikes. Mm -hmm. So in 1779, Scottish Enlightenment advocate Hugo Arnault wrote the following. The graves are so crowded on one another that the sextons frequently cannot avoid in opening a ripe grave. Oof. <laughs> encroaching on one not fit to be touched! Exclamation point. The whole presents a scene equally nauseous and unwholesome. Yeah. You when said it, did, buddy. When did news reporters stop using exclamation points? You know, that's what I'm thinking because I'm reading this quote and it's like with an exclamation. I'm like, that, I feel that's powerful back then to be using you know, exclamation points. I know this, it, like the, the timelines don't totally add up, but whenever I see a news article with an exclamation point, I consider that. So I, I consider that a welcoming or an invitation to read the headline in the transatlantic accent. I was going to say in the accent, the read all about it. Yes, ex yeah. precisely. That's I feel like they kind of merge those two. But I've never seen anything in our time where they're like, I mean, think everything that Donald somebody. Trump has put us through recently, like <laughs> yeah. not a single headline had an exclamation like point. Like multiple exclamation points, you'd think. Uh, <laughs> Just like a question mark, like ampersand asterisks like all the symbols just, like, just to be like what is going like, on we're all thinking it right what the fuck yeah <laughs> it is shocking because like if any time deserved it you'd it's think now. yeah you'd really think but um apparently not apparently it we left it behind unfortunately let's bring it back i think it's fun sure um so even as more kirks or like graveyards were opening the crowding was still an issue and of course there were always where there's a problem there are always some entrepreneurial folks trying to uh, make a quick profit so this is what happened advancements in medical science were a major part of the scottish enlightenment and Ed edinburgh university was noted for its cutting edge wink wink anatomy mm -hmm. department uh fun fact charles darwin once studied there so that should oh. talk about like an alum uh, alumni brag you know um yeah for sure can my, you imagine just being no, like I oh mean, well, like darwin my college my college had judge judy and i brag about that all the time but like <laughs> charles darwin i don't know it's another one of those things that like people in the states will just never understand it's like oh i go to the same school as like yeah fucking copernicus i don't like know my, like right, no literally like my brain can't compute i'm like wait they invented <laughs> math here how is that yeah. even possible yeah, yeah it yeah. just doesn't compute literally mm -mm. um so you know i think probably we see where this is going the anatomy students needed cadavers aka recently deceased bodies because they needed to dissect and study them and this was not a time where you could really donate your body to science and even if this were possible people were very very I almost said into, that's probably not the right wording, but it was really important to people to have religious burials, you know, which mm. understandably, you know, if you have a belief system and you're like, well, it, you know, this is really important that I'm laid to rest in a certain way. Um, and so it, just donating your body to science was not really a thing back then. Sure. And this is where our folks come into play. They were called resurrection men, uh, more commonly called body snatchers or grave robbers. 
uh, I think I like to think Resurrection Men was like their rebrand. They were like, yeah, it just let's just our PR folks say this is be like just I don't know taken better by the public. It's just a little more palatable. <laughs> Resurrection Men. The Resurrection Men! Exclamation point! Exclamation point! Read all about it. <laughs> Jazz hands. Um, so doctors and anatomy students would pay also really well for fresh bodies, which sounds so gross, but for fresh bodies to be used as cadavers. But selling the dead, as you can probably guess, was illegal at this time. So even if someone wanted to make a quick buck when their loved one died, like even if my partner or my grandmother died and I was like, I know what I'll do, I'll sell this body. You couldn't do it legally. Um, Hmm. Even if you were next of kin, so to speak. So what resurrection men would do is they would spend their days spying on funerals. What a dark hobby. Mm -hmm. And scoping out the newest burials. And then at night, they would just return to the scene and take the body out of the grave. Now... I know we've talked about this, and I think in your episode recently, um, that the problem got so bad that wealthy people would sometimes put these enormous iron cages mm-hmm. around the casket, and they were called mort safes. Yeah. Uh, and they would even hire, if they had the money, they would hire guards to stand watch for several days um, until the body, gross, was no longer presumably usable by... Wanted. Wanted, yeah, yeah by anatomy students or doctors. So, of course... Uh, Privilege is an, I tragically assume, always will be um, an issue because graves of the poor were the easiest and most common targets because they didn't have hired guards and, you know, 24-7 watch and iron cages around their caskets. So especially if you're thinking like working class, if it was up to the family to guard the grave themselves, you know, they're laborers. They have to go to work. (laughs) Like you can't just stand there and guard your loved one's body all day so author elena knight says that because the resurrection men were funded by educated young men from well-off families you know who are studying medicine grave robbing was effectively endorsed by the establishment which i think is so interesting because it's like such an underground like seedy occupation or if you can call an occupation but like seedy crime but then to think like but it was being funded yeah and endorsed by like the people up top who were like had their hands clean i mean not Mm -hmm. literally because they were cutting open bodies but you know you know what i mean um anyway (laughs) so this just became a regular part of life in edinburgh it was another thing people just had to deal with and this is when our pals burke and bunny burke and Hare, come Mm. into play their names, of course, now that I'm thinking about it, of course, this makes sense. Their names were William Burke and William Hare, a.k.a., I assume, Billy Burke, Billy Bunny. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's really fun. I just think ring. that's how they, again, I'm only thinking in the transatlantic accent, which is like they're literally not at all, like, they're from Edinburgh. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, not even, like, talk about an accent that's pretty distinct. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Billy, but, Billy Burke and Billy Hare are still... Those are some, they sound like they could be I mean, like the two Billies, like, come on, it really they works. They sound like they could be some, some sort of like ragtag team of criminals. And they were, you know, mm-hmm. they like actually were. So it, it really worked. And, um, oh, I'm sorry. They actually were Irish, but that's also a distinct, oh. uh, accent. So they arrived in Scotland during the 1818 rush and they ended up in Edinburgh living in the challenging conditions of old town. Um, I think it's kind of fun. Uh, I'll get to it, but like they're so, they're very different. 
but they like kind of become best friends, which is kind of fun. Um, oh, before all the horrible like stuff. Like the fox and the hound. Yeah, I mean, yes, yes. Please <laughs> yeah. don't bring. I thought I've told you not to bring that up in front of me. I don't. I'm so sorry. My emotional bandwidth can I <laughs> today? Um, so William Hare was a navvy, which so N A V V Y, which is a laborer who worked on civil engineering projects, and he had recently finished up work on the Union Canal and moved into a lodging house on Tanner's Close, which was named for the nearby leather tanneries. Hmm. This is like a just a little glimpse into how living conditions were. There were eight beds, and they slept three people each. Oh my god! Like you didn't even get your own bed. And that's this like Willy Wonka's grandparents. Or yes, whatever. but like plus one, you know, <laughs> <laughs> if they were having a threesome, you know, I mean, it's just a lot. And especially if you don't, they're not like your friends or family necessarily. They're just like randos. So you're yeah. like sharing your Jeez. bed with two randos. Um, it's just a lot. So hair was staying here and he had his eyes on the lodger's wife maggie laird who had worked as a navvy alongside men and was described as a hard-faced and debauched virago and he said that's the one and he said that's my gal in that transatlantic (laughs) accent (laughs) with an exclamation point with an exclamation point um and i don't i didn't know what a virago was uh okay i don't either okay so I looked it up and like the definition currently from the Oxford Dictionary is a domineering, violent, or bad-tempered woman. <laughs> he really had a very specific type then. He clearly did and he knew it. Um, yeah, he likes a challenge, I it, guess. Oh, absolutely. Especially yeah. since she's already married, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Great point. <laughs> what the fuck are you thinking? <laughs> um, but another, it, more, it says archaic. I don't know how old school archaic is in this context, but maybe this mm. is more what it meant. But the archaic definition is a woman of masculine strength or spirit, a female warrior. Which, he likes a strong girl. Yeah, especially considering she worked alongside men uh, doing, like, labor, like, h- physical labor, which, you know, is, I feel like, pretty unheard of back then. So the lodger, her husband, died. And so Hare took over the tenement in the marriage he was like here's Jeez. my shot he just snuck right in he, he said, didn't even need to ask he's just like i'm here and she was like okay um and so now he was officially the landlord and the common law spouse of maggie okay so william burke the other burke the other billy i'm sorry not the other billy the other burke wait no <laughs> oh my god the other billy <laughs> What's wrong with me? I'm sorry. That I got all in my head. The other Billy, William Burke, was a navvy as well, like a laborer, who worked on the same canal as Hare. And he was born in Northern Ireland. And uh, he was relatively well educated for the time. He had served in the army. He also had a wife named Maggie. Like, they're very similar, these two, in, in some ways and very different in others. He had a wife named Maggie and two children uh, whom he abandoned to emigrate to Scotland. And this is where he met a new woman. Her name was Helen or Nellie McDougal. And she abandoned her two children to go live with Burke. So he found his type as well, like willing to leave your family behind. Uh, If they can find them, we can find them, folks. That's that's (laughs) right. Just believe. (laughs) This is like, it should be uplifting in that way. Yes. Your person is out there. Yeah. 
So eventually through mutual acquaintances, Burke moved into a spare room in the tenement that Hare was now running, and he began working there as a cobbler. Hare was remembered as a quarrelsome man with a temper, and Burke was described as a merry fellow who liked to dance. And so despite having these very opposing personality traits, they became BFFs, best friends. Mm -hmm. In 1827, one of Hare's lodgers, who was an elderly man named Donald, died unexpectedly of something called dropsy. Okay. Have you heard of this? It sounds like what's happening to me these days with my fainting spells. <laughs> I mean, it might be. I'm not going to lie. I don't know too much about it, but it's basically an old-timey name for swelling, which is usually linked to heart, liver, or kidney failure. Oh. So Donald had died suddenly, but he owed Hare money for, for rent, for lodging. So Hare thought, oh, I know. I'll, we'll just sell his body, and that'll cover what he owed us. Okay. So he convinced Burke, who's now living there, to help him out, and he would get a cut of the profit. So they staged a burial with a casket full of bark. Like, they went all the way with this. And they pretended to bury him, and then they actually walked to the college and asked a random student if they could speak to a doctor. And from there, they got sent to Dr. Robert Knox at Number 10 Surgeon Square, and that is where they met with three students who were like, oh, cool. Yep. Bring bring the body tonight. Come on over tonight <laughs> with the body. So Burke and Hare literally just like took the body that night, delivered it to the lecture hall in a sack that night. Oh, God. Wow. So dark. Sack. So dark. It's Sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't really care what happens to my body after I die. But then I hear this and I'm like. But like maybe don't throw me in a sack and just like yeah. I don't know what like the what the line is where I start caring, yeah. but sack is definitely under the line. Sack, <laughs> sack is past the line. Don't go there. Yeah, sack is too. You've gone too far. You know. So they put him in a sack, bring him to the uh, hospital or the the school, and the students and Doctor Knox pay them seven pounds ten shillings. Now today. In today's money, that would be 430 pounds or 517 U.S. dollars. Not worth it, my friend. Not <laughs> worth it to me. <laughs> 500 bucks. I'm sorry. I Maybe <laughs> if I were like really in dire straits, but this is a stretch. Yeah. Uh, for Just for an idea, though, because I think in this scenario, like relatively, it was worth it for them because – just for an idea of like what the buying power of this was, tenants were paying around 87 cents a night. Oh, oh. So okay. if you think about it, like, wow, seven pounds was like a lot. Like if, mm -hmm. you know, compared to 87 cents. So it, it was, was like, like essentially like six, six pounds a week and they were making 480. Yeah. So I can't do the math right now, but that feels like eight eight months of rent or eight well eight. so they were making seven pounds ten shillings at the time and the rent was 87 cents at the time so today it would be 430 pounds i don't know what let me see what 87 cents was <laughs> basically oh god my brain can't compute i also um, think it's because we're going from cents to pounds and my brain's it's also very confusing not um also i did only have like a half an hour of sleep because i was a star tender all well, night you were you know working you were working all night i, I was I doing my it. night shift the you were moonlighting shift. literally probably on the moon um i don't know if anyone's <laughs> ever done that before but it's pretty impressive usually my math like i can trust but not today 
I'm going to do 18.27.87 cents to today and see what it says. Okay, so people were paying about, okay, $15 a night to stay here. Okay. And they had just made like 430. Dope. That's, that I get it. it. Yeah. So so it's it's quite a bit of buying power. Like if you don't have expendable income and you live off of people paying rent and all of a sudden you get this like influx of as if you had a several more tenants yeah, and several yeah. more weeks of rent. Um so basically it was a good amount of money. Um and the students as Burke and Hare were leaving said we look forward to working with you again. And they were hooked. So Burke and Hare were like, we want to keep doing this. However, we don't think we're cut out to be resurrection men. And I like that they were self-aware enough to know, like, you know, the labor, like, it was hard work locating these graves, digging them up, running from the guards, like, carrying a body across the city, uh, bribing people they might run into. It's, it's, just, a, it's a multitask job. It is. And it's a very messy and a little risky. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead, they came up with their own solution. They decided they would just wait for one of the tenants to get sick again. Oh, good. So, yeah, sure. Another dropsy situation, you know. So in February of 1828, an elderly man named Joseph was sick with a fever. Um, It could have been cholera or really any of the other diseases that was common at the time. And they knew he wouldn't survive. So they basically gave him whiskey until he drank himself to sleep. And then they smothered him with a pillow. Oh, my God. So they they really didn't wait too long. Yeah, they (laughs) were like, we know he's going to die, which makes me think, like, then can't you just wait? Yeah, so now they're committing murder, which is definitely not worth the $400. No, no. They, like, jumped straight to murder. They were like, okay, we'll take this body in, fake a funeral. That's one thing. But then now they're, like, killing people. They wouldn't. They thought that was real easy. So I guess it wasn't that far of a leap for them of, like, let's just end the body we plan on burying. Yeah, it's almost almost like a classic, like, you just, like, give an inch, take a mile. Like, they were mm-hmm. like, well, he's already gonna die. And then it, like, I mean, spoiler alert, it escalates to where they're like, well, we can yeah. make him sick. You know what I mean? Like, it just becomes really problematic. Um, but, yeah, you can see the step of, like, well, he is gonna die. So, like, ethically, it's not that big of a deal if we smother him with a pillow, right? <laughs> um, beg to differ. But, again, they were BFFs. They saw life the same way. They went for it. Now, this time, they got an increased pay because it was winter. And Dr. Knox's students paid them 10 pounds this time. You would think it would be less that's when what it's I winter. Thought. Because that's what I thought. Because the body's frozen and is staying, it, it's, quote, usable for longer without you having done anything. But I think, so I, I took a minute to wrap my head around that as well, because you're right. That is why they were more valuable, because the cold preserved them better. But that being said, that means that the bodies being delivered were automatically at, like, a better starting point. So it was like, oh, you've brought it, whatever like the you circumstances. Like, you brought a, to- a, a top dollar to- exactly. item. Exactly. So you just, no matter what the environmental reasons or the surrounding context was, if you were able to bring a quote unquote fresher body, Mm -hmm. you were just going to be paid more. So the winter rate is higher because typically the bodies were uh, more. I guess that makes sense because in the summer they're probably getting like less 
less preserved faster and so no matter what the quality is not very good yeah it's hard to like get that kind of oh it's so gross to think about and say in these terms but i mean that is exactly exactly the logic there so they were like hell yeah we're getting even more money in the winter and that wasn't so bad so soon one of Hare's new tenants came down with jaundice uh and they were like well we don't know if he's gonna die but like he might so let's kill him so they gave him whiskey smothered him and collected a quick 10 pounds from dr knox and you can see how this is now becoming like out of control like they're like this is too so easy let's just keep doing it and doing it and doing it so their next victim was an elderly woman named abigail simpson she lived off of retirement pension of what would now be five dollars a week and she Ooh, sold yeah really bad um and she sold salt on the side to get by so she was really you know um hurting hurting financially yeah. so on february 11th 1828 burke saw her selling salt in the street and invited her back to tanner's close where he got her drunk on whiskey she told him she had a daughter and hare said he would marry her daughter and care for them both like take them under his wing which is now getting really sick and manipulative. Like, this is becoming just, like, pure serial killer behavior. Yeah. But in the morning, the men gave her more whiskey and smothered her. Uh, They made another 10 pounds, which was, this is sick, more than 10 times the weekly pension Abigail was living on. Mm. So on April, so it's like, that's her worth after she was killed. It's just disturbing. Wow. On April 12th, it had been two months since Burke and Hare's last paycheck. God forbid. Uh, I don't know what they're spending it on if they're suddenly, like, have this influx of cash and now they're already out. Like, what are you buying? Pillows? Flat some other people? <laughs> Flat screens? Yeah, I don't know. So they, oh, maybe the newest top-notch chamber pot, you know? That with a little, be, yeah. like, some herbs to make it smell a little less bad. I hope so. Whatever their version was, it poopery, like literal poopery. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Yeah. They could have used that back then. Um, so they were getting desperate for more money. Burke was drinking in a local. Now I feel like we're getting back to your star tending. A local grog shop. Uh, no. A grog shop, literally. That's amazing. Yeah, and it sounds like also my basement. Like I feel like it's a really good combo. Let's call it the grog shop, my basement. <gasps> Like, really fits, right? The troll hole in the grog shop. Oh, my God. Stop the troll it. hole in the grog shop? That's... But I'm going to put a P-E at the end of shop. The you have shop. to. Yeah, I got you it. Got to do it. Got to do it. Um, also, I don't want this grog shop from the 1800s to sue me. You know, I, I doubt they're still in business, I but... I just think you're going to get away with it. Um, you think? I, I just have a hunch, yeah. Okay, well, I, yeah, I trust your hunch, so... The grog shop. Um, And he's there drinking when two 18-year-olds entered, both girls, Janet Brown and Mary Patterson. The girls were sex workers. They were, I guess I should say, excuse me, young women. They were 18. Um, They were sex workers, and they were well-known by everyone in the area. Uh, This is kind of a, like, backhanded thing because it says Mary was regarded as a great beauty. And Janet was <laughs> also the th- Janet was also there. It's like oh, <laughs> I feel like there's probably some article that's come out about the two of us, and it said something like that. Oh, of like I'm, 
Christine's hysterical. No, M I know I, I know what it is. Has M ADHD. Is, M is also there. <laughs> yeah. No, but I know what it is. It's the fuck it's your favorite photo that Funny or Die posted <laughs> where I'm Mike Wazowski and they put the logo right over my face <laughs> and you're and you're you're in it. And I had the same reaction from Monsters Inc. that Mike Wazowski had where I was like where everyone looked at me nervously and I went I'm on Funny or Die. Like, I was just so excited that I was, <laughs> it didn't phase me. And then you were like, Christine, they literally put an entire logo over your face. And I was like, oh, I don't even care. It's also <laughs> just like Mike Skoziowski because only one eyeball is kind of showing. <laughs> uh, that is like every, you share that like every six months. And every time I'm like, oh, Lord, I can't wait to post it later today. Today, you to, gotta, you gotta. Just a, just a reminder. You know what we should do also is have Megan post it at like when this episode comes out, just so people yeah. can really get an idea. Because I feel like I am Jan. <laughs> I feel like I'm Janet. You know, like M was regarded as a great comedian. Full stop. Anyway, <laughs> the two of them came in. It's like, oh, ow. <laughs> It's a little bit. <laughs> you really were just so excited to be on on Funny Your Die. I literally was Mike was asking. I was like, oh, everyone looked at me nervously, and I was like, I'm on Funny or Die, and everyone was like, Does she not see it? Like, <laughs> does she not notice? <laughs> oh man, oh, it's beautiful times. Um, so that's what made me. Think. That's what made me think. Of. It's like you look so good in that photo, and it's like I did before they covered it up, but I'm like under there somewhere. I just love that whoever made that just didn't give a shit enough. I don't blame them, but like didn't give a shit enough to like take a second glance and be like, hmm, one of the they, people they had to have, and then just like kind of like side eye, like click publish. And they were like, like we knows. don't care, right? Like it's fine. <laughs> and to be honest, like I don't care, so you're good, but. I Amazing. just imagine I just imagine with someone more diva or high maintenance who was like, what the fuck? I feel like if you're gonna be like I mean, and I I know it doesn't sound like it because the roles are not reversed, but if it were, I think I'd have the same attitude as you because if you're gonna be like welcomed into funny or die, like you have to expect someone there is like funny. And like to be honest, know? we have propagated that photo so off so much that it's like they did the trick. Like we promote that article all the time because yeah. we're like, this is the funniest picture. Lovely. Um, it's so funny. So whether or not they knew what they were doing, they nailed it. Uh, if funny or die ever takes us back, I'm going to beg to switch spots with you and have like the logo on my face. I, I, I I'm going to just ask Maggie, our manager, like, can you just put a word in, like maybe flip it. Like we'll reverse the picture. Just keep the logo in the same yeah. spot. Yeah. <laughs> but you're so tall. You'll probably just be at the top of it. Like you'll, just probably find your way you know you'll still be there oh lord what were we talking about so i was talking about how mary was known as a great beauty oh. and janet was also there um <laughs> so, so the two of them walked into the grog shop as you do and uh like i said they were well-known sex workers in the area so burke said hello to them ended up buying them drinks and then he invited them back to his place so nothing unusual, you know, uh, in the context here. Burke was making them promises, like these just big, bold promises. He said, oh, I'm going to provide you with a lifelong pension so you'd never have to worry about money again. And Janet, maybe she, Janet was the brains of the operation because pretty quickly she was like, like it. this sounds like a bad idea. Um, but Mary convinced her 
to go along with it. So she and Mary went back to Burke's house and uh, the three of them shared two bottles of whiskey, which I know I know they're Irish and Scottish relative like, you know, relatively speaking. But damn it's still a lot to me a lot of whiskey and i'm a drinker you know i'm not and i know that's a lot it's a lot yeah so burke's sister-in-law elizabeth left and told burke's wife that burke was out and about with two young women and especially if she knew locally that they were two sex workers i and one of them was beautiful i that was a dig that was a mean (laughs) dig i'm just kidding and the other one had a brain the other one was smart which not really relevant back then but you know (laughs) um so of course uh his wife shows up in a frenzy and it turns into this big fight burke threw a glass at her kicked her out of the room and locked the door what a winner Hmm. mary patterson was so drunk on whiskey that she slept through everything with her head on the table like she had passed out by now which i mean Don't get me wrong. I would have as well. Uh, She passed out and had her head on the table where they'd been drinking. And so through this whole fight and throwing glass and, you know, screaming fit, uh, she just slept right through it, snored her way through it. But Janet made her getaway and uh, terrified of Burke's wife because Burke's wife was like after her now for Mm. being involved with her husband. So Hare showed up now, summoned by Elizabeth after she'd sent. <laughs> I'm sorry. It sounded like when, like the the Macbeth's tights. You said finally Hare showed up. <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine like a wig dancing on. <laughs> so finally, the actor portraying Mary's beautiful luscious locks, which were a big part of her, you know, beautiful persona, showed up. <laughs> It just felt like what's that like Fantasia like bed broomsticks and whatever. No. It just sounded like <laughs> You've literally brought up two of the most traumatic movies of my life, Fox and the Hound and Fantasia. Thank you for doing that. Um, just like just free thinking hair just kind of floated. It just through. showed up. All of a sudden all of a sudden, uh everybody had uh, a beautiful a beautiful do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. Oh, so Hare showed up. He had been summoned by Elizabeth after she'd sent uh, for Burke's wife. And Elizabeth was also back now along with Hare's wife, Maggie. So now they're all just like, what is going on here? We've all gathered. Uh, we know you're up to no good. So William Hare told all three women, Elizabeth, Helen, and Maggie, to wait outside. And he went inside and helped, yikes, helped Burke smother the unconscious Mary Patterson. Oof. So now he's like, just wait out here a minute. I've just got some loose ends to tie up. And he goes inside mm. and murders her. And this would now be their fourth victim. And I mean, you know what? Good for Janet. I know she did. It wasn't the beauty, but apparently she really was able to make her way out of there. She had a gut feeling, followed it. Uh, left so good for her um it's obviously extremely tragic for mary um she was their fourth victim and once they had killed her they hid her on the bed under the bed linens um doesn't seem like a very great place to hide someone um especially if your wife is like thinking you're sleeping with someone that's probably the first place she's gonna check but yeah what do i know so while burke walked to surgeon square to arrange the sale 
Janet showed up again, and this time she had a servant girl who worked for Mrs. Laurie, who was a local landlady and brothel keeper. And Janet had basically gone back to the brothel and said, hey, I left Mary behind, but there was some like, and because she was passed out, but there was some crazy shit happening. Um, We got to go check on this. So Mrs. Laurie and a servant girl showed up and they had been sent to get Mary out of the situation. Hmm. Obviously not knowing she was killed. She had been killed. So Harry, uh, Hare told her that Mary had left on a walk with Burke. Uh, don't check the bedroom. She's not there. She's out on a walk. Don't worry about it. Whatever you do, do not open the store. <laughs> For no reason whatsoever. So he sent the servant girl away and invited Janet in for drinks while they waited for Mary to return. I assume, you know, I don't have these details, but I imagine he was like, I'm so sorry about that debacle. You know, things got heated, but I want to assure you everything's fine. Mary's, you know, all better out for a walk getting some fresh air. She'll be back and you can take her home. So that's just kind of what I assume happened. Because she felt comfortable enough to stay. She sat at a table with Burke, Hare, Elizabeth, Maggie, and Helen. Um, Elizabeth was a sister-in-law. And they sat around drinking whiskey. This whole time, she had no idea that only a few feet away under some blankets was the body of her friend. And she had no idea that presumably she would be the next victim, right? And I'm assuming this is where they're going with this plan, Burke and Hare. Mm-hmm. But thank God the servant girl returned again, which I love that she'd been sent away as a servant girl. And then she came back like, no, I didn't like the vibe of this. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm checking on you. Yeah. Good for her. Which I love. So she kind of overstepped in a good way. And uh, she returned and she insisted that Janet leave with her to Mrs. Laurie's. And I'm good. sure Burke and Hare were like, no, we're having a good time. Stay, have another drink. You know, they're plying her with whiskey. Yeah. But Janet, again, is like, there's something wrong here. And so she leaves with the servant. And I love Janet. Love it. Like, she's really nailing it. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying anything against Mary because obviously this was not her no. fault by any means. But it's just like, wow, what a scary thing situation to be in as Janet and having to figure out like, okay, my friend's not here. Yeah. Should I wait for her or am I now in danger? So I yeah, I love that she made the right move. So Burke and Harry, yikes, carried mod uh, carried Mary's body across town uh in broad daylight this time. Oh my God. And wow, just shameless. Just shameless. They had her body stored in a chest. Uh, so this is pretty wild. Some schoolboys circled around and began to taunt them, shouting, they're carrying a corpse. <clears throat> it's like, did they know that or were they just joking? And also, like, how wild was the time? It was right? like that era for kids to just like think that was like a normal to be joke like to i say. know what you've got and it's like yeah wow how twisted and dark like, <laughs> like they were just so used to body snatchers around them that they that it was just a normal thing to poke fun at yeah they're like we see through your little ruse we know there's a body in there but we I won't know, i can tell. also see like a dad with like bad jokes today seeing oh, yeah. people move out of an apartment being like you got a body in there <laughs> and then like, it's like see... actually there is in yeah, the freezer like, yeah mm-hmm. and you're like fuck 
they're on to me. So, yeah, they were, like, taunting them, saying, oh, they're carrying a corpse. And then they ran off. Um, So far, Burke and Hare had murdered two old men with no family and one old woman whose daughter would have no idea where to even begin looking. Uh, And this time, they uh, had some trouble because guess who is still looking for Mary? Janet. Fucking Janet. She's on the case. Sure, Jan. Sure, Jan. She is on it, okay? She is a girl boss. <laughs> it hurts my soul to even say that. And I don't <laughs> want to ascribe that to her because, like, no, no. But um, she she really was. She was a badass. She's searching for her friend Mary, and she has not given up yet. She doesn't give up easy. So in the medical school, one of Dr. Knox's students recognized Mary, which makes me think, like, hmm, you recognize the local sex worker. Hmm. Yeah. I, w- I wonder I wonder where you cross paths. I'm sure it was just at a cocktail party, right? Like, no other. Yeah, where, were your, where were your big bucks being spent? Yeah. You know? Weird. I, I don't know. Um, I don't know how he just happened to recognize her. Uh, but the, he asked, like, how did you obtain her body? Like, what happened? And Burke and Hare first said they bought her body off a woman who said Mary died of alcohol poisoning. But they did not plan very well for this because when asked again, they said they bought her off of Mary's family. Then they said if anyone asked any more questions, they would stop delivering bodies. Red well, flag. you know, to be fair, they're also, I think, hammered right now. So mm. like, they probably uh, are not making a lot of sense. Interesting right. how they're trying to blame alcohol poisoning on her when they're also smashed. And like, <laughs> yeah, that guy could probably smell it on their breaths. And he's like, oh, yeah, sure. She had alcohol poisoning. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Takes also, one like, to no one. What a bad crime, because couldn't he just eventually put it together that like, Oh, when I open her up, I will realize that she died from alcohol poisoning or there was a lot of alcohol in her system and you reek of alcohol. Yeah. Sounds like the two of you were together when she died. Hmm. Although I feel like that's not solid evidence. You could be like, we were both just drunk that night. (laughs) I guess. I feel like it would still uh, open up a hunch. It's a it's an alarm bell. But hey, they I don't think they care enough. That's a good point. And I don't like think they care. we've talked about this really recently, like I think last week, um, that you know she was a sex worker. It wasn't necessarily the priority to figure out from higher up folks. It was not necessarily the priority to get justice for her. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good point. So just as like a perfect example of how this went down. Um, they told Burke and Hare told this Dr. Knox, if you ask any more questions, we won't deliver any more bodies. And so they said, understood. We won't ask any more questions. Hmm. They cared that little about like 0%, 0% about like what actually happened. They were like, our priority is getting these bodies. So if questioning you is going to make you uncomfortable and stop, we'll stop questioning you. Uh, And honestly, they probably phrased it to themselves as like, well, if we don't know what happened to the body, we can't be responsible. Like, you know, if they found out, oh, this woman has been murdered, the doctor has probably has to say something or feels obligated to. But if he's like, I'll just plug my ears. You bring the bodies. I won't ask questions. I feel like it's just easier for them to kind of swallow that of uh, I think so, too, of how this relationship will go. So, tragically, this is so fucking gross. 
This is so fucking gross. On so many levels. Tragically, because Mary was, as we said, so beautiful. Instead Mm. of, I know, it's bad. Instead of dissecting her, because God forbid we cut into a beautiful woman, Dr. Knox kept her preserved in alcohol for three months to use in lectures about muscular anatomy. She only views in lectures? Yeah. Are we sure it wasn't for anything else? I mean, I think once she's, I mean, I'm not sure of anything at this point, but like Um, to to show like a perfect specimen, you know what I mean? Like, ugh. I get it. I have also been on um, morgue TikTok recently, and apparently it is very common and understood in the community that a lot of morticians are women for a reason. Yeah, I've, yes, I think there was an episode of like, God, there was a podcast episode about that. Yeah. Oh, fuck, I, I gotta find so. a podcast. It's 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 alarming. Because men can't be fucking trusted with even dead bodies. And it is it is a, apparently decades, if not centuries long, understood thing in it's that. It's kind world, of been so. like a like a low key like Mm-hmm. You know, understanding in some circles is just so disturbing. Even when you're dead, you're not fucking safe, everyone. No. It's awful. Again, so. and, and we talked about this too. Like, again, last week in my story about Khalil, Khalil Weaver, Wheeler Weaver, which is even beyond death. I think you said it. Even beyond death, like, your privilege is still, mm-hmm. like, a factor. So if you are, uh, you know, a, gru- a, a group that's discriminated against, like, you're still not totally safe after death like if you're impoverished your family's impoverished well then your body will probably be snatched and cut up despite how yeah important it is to have a religious funeral for your family or burial for your family Mm. it's like this the privilege part just doesn't end i mean hello like you said it earlier like rich people could pay for guards yeah exactly so if you're poor you really don't stand a chance and like this is your fate even after death which is like ugh. Um, and even so, like I'm, I'm sure she would have loved to be known that like even in death she was so beautiful she was on display no she wouldn't want to fucking know yeah, that she'd be yeah. like can i please be put in the ground and like put to rest please? and can somebody like figure out that i was smothered to death like somebody yeah, and everyone's me. ignoring that like thanks so much for caring because i'm beautiful but not caring enough to like report that i'm a, a person yeah. right it's ooh, it's so twisted um so of course, Mary Patterson would become the most notorious of Burke and Hare's victims. Uh, I think it's because at this point she was youthful. She was beautiful. She was well known in town. It wasn't like they had found another drifter or another person who didn't have anybody who knew who they were. Like, you know, they were targeting isolated folks who were oftentimes elderly and were sick themselves and now they had kind of stepped into a new territory um yeah and so she kind of became their most notorious victim uh so fast forward to may and burke and Hare kill an elderly woman lodging at Hare's for the night and this time they are no longer using a pillow so what they're doing now is that once their victim was nearly unconscious with whiskey, one of the men... Oh, God. I just what? hate... I, this just disturbs me. It ugh, gives me the heebie-jeebies. One of the men laid across their body to hold them still <sighs> while the other covered their mouth and nose with their hands. Oh, my God. Which is, like, t- 
to me so deeply unsettling because it's like you know even though you're unconscious your body is like gonna fight fighting that you know to stay alive which is just so sick uh really fucked um next was a middle-aged woman named mary haldane she was a sex worker with two children uh who was lodging at Hare's temporarily the children were staying elsewhere so when one of her daughters peggy haldane came looking for her the men offered her a drink to comfort her about her missing mom uh then they murdered her too because she was there they were like well you've arrived so we might as well take advantage of you as well especially since your mom's dead and if you find that out then we're in trouble so we might as well take the next witness off the uh off the earth oh my god so after that uh they murdered an old woman named effie who sometimes sold burke scraps of leather she found in the trash so that he could use use these pieces in his cobbling business so burke saw a policewoman bringing a drunk woman in for disturbing the peace and Burke, oh my God, pretended to be outraged at the way the policeman was handling her. And he said, you know, step aside, I'll take her home myself and give her the respect she deserves. So the police, police officer, bad move, just handed this woman over to a random man in the street who promised to take care of her. Uh, and he brought her home and murdered her like the others. Oh my God. In June, it just keeps going. It's like one of those stories that I tell where I'm like, do I pause? Do I just barrel through? Just rattle them off. Yeah. In June, an old Irish woman approached Burke in the street and she had come from Glasgow with her 12 year old grandson to stay with friends. And she was lost and just looking for directions. So innocent of a start, uh, but she had no idea who who she was um, approaching. So Burke Burke invited her back. He said, why don't you come back to my lodging? Um, You know, you'll be safe there. We'll figure out where you need to go. Can have a drink. Well, she followed him back to the lodging house and was immediately murdered. Uh, Then they considered what to do with the 12-year-old grandson that she had come with. Uh, he had a disability where he could not speak. So one oh, of the... Oh, God. <sighs> yeah. Sorry, it just means that he, he can't either cry for help or tell what he saw. Uh-huh. Okay. So they... <sighs> one of the men's wives suggested they put him out to wander. Oh, my God. Just, like, let him go. But the men were worried he would, despite not speaking, would lead people back to the lodging. Uh Uh-huh. So they murdered him as well. Of course. So now they're murdering children. Yep. At some point, Hare and his wife Maggie tried to convince Burke to let them murder his wife, Helen, (laughs) simply because they didn't like her. Oh. And Burke was like, well, fuck no. That's my wife. No. Uh, Finally, he has a standard. Seriously? Yeah. Just one. Oh, my God. So, he, yeah, he had abandoned his first wife, didn't care about that. But this one? This one's special. Can you imagine how bold you have to be as the friend to be like, how about your wife next? Yeah, you're talking to your <laughs> wife. You're like, but how do we Jeez. approach it? Like, what if he gets mad at us? Like, what do we say? Imagine you come home from work later and you're like, you're not going to believe what it- fucking Billy says today at work. <laughs> also, you should look out. <laughs> and you know his wife's in on it because she yeah. hates you. <laughs> yeah. 
So meanwhile, Hare uh, supplied a body to Dr. Knox in secret without Burke's help. So now he's kind of going behind his partner's back and finding bodies and making the full profit so he doesn't have to split it. So they get into this big fight over it. And Burke and Helen decide to move out, but not very far. Next, Anne McDougall came to visit, and she was Helen's ex-husband's cousin. I know it's a lot. I don't even worry about it. Uh, but Burke consist- considered her a distant friend and felt guilty about hurting her. So he had Hare murder her instead. Oh, great. So the guilt because only guilty. went so far. Yeah. He's like, great. He's like, I don't feel good about doing this. Can you do it? And he was like, sure, yeah. So this actually repaired their relationship. How beautiful. Oh, thank God. I was wondering how they'd be stitched together again. Yeah. Who needs a counselor, you know? Like, they figured it out all on their own. Yeah. They've got it covered. They don't need additional help. <laughs> Seriously. So a charwoman, who is somebody who cleans the house, uh, like a housekeeper, named Mrs. Hostler, became, now get this, I know we've been rattling off, but here's a number for you, their 14th victim. Oh, my God. Yeah, we've gotten to 14 already. In October, Burke and Hare made their first major mistake since Mary Patterson, and that is when they targeted a local boy named James Wilson. And James had an unkind, very unkind local nickname. He was called Daft Jamie. Uh, He had a cognitive disability that made other people regard him as, quote, slow, Okay. Big yikes, especially nowadays. I mean, yes, different times, but like, let's all take a moment to think about how dark this is. He also had a physical disability that gave him a limp. Um, Mm. So he even had a physical manifestation uh, that people could, you know, mock and point to. They're very much like it wasn't just a one off. Like they're feels like they're targeting weaker children. Quote weaker children. Yeah. Great point. Great point. Like more, more vulnerable children or, I mean, this is obviously not how either of us feel, but I feel like at that time it's like, well, they're not as useful or something or like they, they won't be as missed as or something missed or horrible. like people, people already are cruel to him and don't like him. So yeah. So we're putting him out of his misery or yeah, something. Or oh, like, God. who's going to oh, care God. if they're just being cruel to him? Oof. Yeah. It's, it's, it's obviously gut churning. It is gut churning. Um, Despite the nickname, oh, well, here you go. This is where the mistake comes in. He had a cruel oh. nickname, but he was well-loved. Oh, by all thank be- God. Yes, because he was very kind. So he hung out with the other boys, never caused trouble. So despite this kind of, like, nickname, which I feel like was more of just, like, uh, in, in jest, but, like, a sick kind of jest that today would not fly, but... You know, they gave him like this nickname, but they still loved him and they kept him around. Um, He was a very kind boy, never caused trouble. And Maggie lured him to their lodging where Burke and Hare murdered him. So, again, they made this mistake that they made with Mary because they bring the body to Dr. Knox and he's like, um, this is Jamie. Like, yeah, I, I don't know if he said this is Daft Jamie, but like, this is Jamie. Uh, I, yeah. I know him and he's a child. Like, what happened here? And um, we've, we're understanding at this point that like this guy knows what they're up to, right? Like, he, he, I think like they 
maybe had an inkling or some of them since it was a group. So there was like the doctor, there were the students. So I think my guess is that some of them had an inkling that like something not so above board was happening. Um, but we're like, well, if we don't question it, we won't right. be you know, responsible. There's no ethical obligation or moral obligation on our part if we just if we don't know the details. I would just be don't curious. ask, don't tell. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how big this town is, but it would be curious to me why, like, it seems that every day someone is dead. Like, mm-hmm. and it's like a lot of, a lot of times so far, at least more than a usual amount you're recognizing these people like how are so many people in your circles just dying day after day yeah i think that's a good point and like i know obviously edinburgh was really big and overcrowded but if you think like obviously people ran in the similar circles and would go to the same pubs and would go to the same lodging houses and so it it does make some sense why they'd be like it's but the dumb part too is like at the beginning you were targeting elderly people who were down and out didn't like maybe had a sickness Nobody already noticed or, people or... they were estranged from their family they didn't have friends you know so that or if they pass they're they're older and it can be exp- it, like no one's gonna raise any eyebrows to that as, exactly as much as young children and women exactly especially if they had like an illness or something you know so it i feel like that was such a more i hate to say logical but in the context like a much more logical way to go about this but now they're like targeting children and it's like, well, of course that's going to raise an alarm immediately, you know, especially if they're like well-loved in the community. And so, you know, all three of Dr. Knox's students recognize James immediately. And also what a jarring moment when you're like, I'm just going to do my anatomy lab. And then you like pull the sheet back and you're like, oh my God, that's that child, Jamie, that we all love so much. That we like, all know. God, that must be really jarring. Um, so Jamie was a friendly and familiar face to everybody nearby, but the rule was, and they're students, so they have to follow, you know, the rule, the protocol, the rule was that they were not allowed to pester resurrection men with uncomfortable questions. So they let it go. Cause again, I can't believe that's actually a rule. <laughs> blissful ignorance, right? Like yeah. if we don't know, there's nothing we can do about it. So one man claims that when Dr. Knox heard people were looking for James, he even sped up the dissection to cover their tracks. Oh wow! So he's like so now. It. Now he's in on it. I think is when when he realizes like okay, people are out looking for this kid. So it's not like oh he had a funeral and they took yeah. the body like they allegedly claim to do. Uh, now there's something much more nefarious going on. So. October 31st, of course, Halloween, Burke met their 16th and final victim, Mary Dougherty. She was a middle-aged Irish woman with no money who had traveled from Glasgow looking for her son, and she hadn't eaten at all that day. So Burke lied to her and said she had the same maiden name as his own mother and that they were from the same town back in Ireland. And he said, wow, this is incredible. Maybe we're distant relatives. And so he invited her back to his lodgings and you got to imagine she's hungry. She's new to the area. This must be like, oh, a comforting feeling. Somebody might know your family. You, yeah. you know, have this connection. So Mary Doherty visited with Burke, Hare and all their friends during a Halloween party. Once everyone left, Burke and Hare killed Mary and hid her under some straw. So... Oof. All through the next day, November 1st, people came and went while Mary's body just lay there under the straw. 
Twice, one of the other lodgers named Mrs. Gray got too close to the straw and <laughs> Burke like freaked out. He was like, get away from that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Weird red flag. Okay. Um, later, while the men were out trying to arrange selling Mary's body, Mrs. Gray crept back in. I fucking love Mrs. Gray. She's us. Mrs. She, Gray. She's like, I smell mischief. Something I need to know. is up. And I'm yeah. going to pretend like I just followed the rules and walked away. When he told me to, but the second he's out of sight, I got to go see what's in that straw. So she crept back in, see what was the matter with the straw. And she found, of course, Mary's body. And she and her husband are like, let's fucking pack our shit and go. Yeah. Let's roll out. <laughs> Time to go. Got a blast. This is like out of a horror movie because then Helen Burke walks <gasps> in and says, oh, what's the hurry? Where, oh, are you, where are you going? You know, I that moment. On it. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, <laughs> wait, what did you just sing? It's like the, the background music to Get Out. Or is it Get Out? Or uh, uh, the other one that came out. It's like, nope, it's like notoriously or... like, yeah, no, it's not. It's the, the, the scissors one. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's like us, the us. us. It's the like notoriously scary music now for like a general horror movie. It is honestly so upsetting. I watched it on an airplane and I was like, this will not be scary on an airplane. Well, still was. Are you was. kidding me, Christine? Still oh was. God. Still was. Um, so, yeah, they they basically, she shows up like, you know, it's like you're about to escape. And then she's yeah. like, what's the matter? You know, and mm -hmm. it's like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. And she's we... like dragging the tip of a knife on a yes! table or something. Yeah, She's like, Ugh what could ever be the problem oh it's just so chilling and so they confronted her about the body which i would have been like oh nothing i just have a bad tummy ache and i'm gonna go to the <laughs> pharmacy yeah yeah, yeah. Bye. i'm not feeling good yeah um just let me go with my suitcase please and they confronted her about the body and she begged them not to turn her husband in she said she was so ashamed of the murders, but, quote, my God, I cannot help it, which is like, okay. Uh, but also, like, these are, like, they're considered now loose ends. Like, even yes. if they said, we promise, is she going to believe them? That's no. exactly the fear is, like, what do you say to I don't think they should have brought it up at all, but, you know, too late. Yeah. So Mrs. Gray said, you surely can help it. Or you wouldn't stay in this house, which like, wow. Yeah. Fair fucking point. Yeah. So, Miss Gray is no longer us anymore. <laughs> yes. So thank God though, Mr. And Mrs. Gray were allowed to leave on the promise that they don't tell. And they said, we won't, we promise. And they walked right into the police station. Of course. So, <laughs> of course. So the police ended up figuring out where to look for Mary Doherty's body at the college, but they had a problem because Burke and Hare were so careful to smother their victims in a time, obviously before advanced forensic science, that medical examiners couldn't confirm that a murder had actually occurred. So they like didn't have like the like the hard hard hitting evidence they needed. Hmm. So for all they could prove, Mary might have died of natural causes. So they needed more evidence. Um, they also suspected, of course, that Burke and Hare might have killed other people, but there were no bodies to prove this. So on December 1st, prosecutors offered Hare immunity if he gave them the facts about Mary Doherty's murder. So Hare took the deal. He also secured his wife Maggie's freedom because it was illegal to make spouses testify against one another, as is still the case in most places. 
-hmm. And then Burke and Hare's biggest mistakes came back for them. Because who do you remember from earlier? Big brain Janet. Big brain Janet. (laughs) Big brain Janet heard the news about the men's arrest. And she's like, I fucking knew it. I fucking Mm -hmm. knew it. And she contacted police about her friend, Mary Patterson. Likewise, a shopkeeper told police he had seen Burke's nephew wearing pants that had surely belonged to James Wilson. And he said, "Uh, if Burke's family members are wearing this Mm. missing man's clothes, like, it doesn't seem good. Yeah. So when the public found out about James and Mary, there was a major outcry. People were outraged that anyone would harm James, a kind boy with a disability who was loved by the town. Uh, There were even ballads and pamphlets circulated about him. That's how well-loved he was. And as for Mary, she was a beautiful girl, as we know, (laughs) a local beauty. Um, Mm -hmm. She was well-known and, you know, people really, really knew and liked her. Um, And people were especially moved by the story, I think as we were, of Janet's narrow escape. And then her, her like hunt for her missing friend. And so... If this story just like blew up because obviously it ha- it's such a human interest story. So Burke and Hare had thought they targeted people who would disappear quietly, but in the end, a sex worker named Mary and a young boy with a disability named James, they were just beloved by the town. And so, you know, that backfired, their attempt backfired. And mm. the trial then began December 24th, 1828. Um, and here's a fun fact for you, just like off the wall fun fact. Queen Victoria did not take the throne for another nine years in 1837. And her hu- uh, her husband, Prince Albert, would eventually introduce the Christmas tree from Germany and Ooh. make December 24th Christmas Eve like a whole thing. Wow. Um, but until then, December 24th wasn't really a day like a holiday where they would avoid a murder trial. It was just like another day. Another work yeah. day. So just a fun fact for you. It would be another, you know, couple decades before Christmas Eve was created a as thing. a real yeah. holiday. Yeah. So Burke was being charged with James, Mary Patterson's, and Mary Dougherty's murders. Uh, and his wife, Helen, was being charged just with Mary Dougherty, which was the one they hid under the straw. Got it. In the end, based on Hare's testimony, numerous witnesses, and Burke's own confessions on the stand, the jury found Burke guilty only of Mary Dougherty's murder, and they found Helen's involvement not proven. So Burke held Helen's hand and said, Nellie, you're out of the scrape. And oh. Helen cried. Oh. So the judge sentenced Burke to hang, even though he was only convicted of the one murder. And wow. get this. He was not only sentenced to hang— he was sentenced to be dissected after death. <gasps> that's as some, I, that's a very weird thing for me to be intrigued by. Hmm. Isn't that something? So he actually, it's, um, I think it's poetic. It's it is poetic. Weird, po- it's a weird poetic justice. I, I obviously not pro death penalty, but it's a very, no, you're a hundred percent. They, yeah, I'm, I'm torn. It's like a weird gray space, but I'm like, Oh, that's, that's a, it's sort of like, way to do it. It's like what a fitting punishment, you know, like to to have to become what you would create, yeah, you know, like be killed in the same way or be treated in 
in the same way as all your victims. Again, I agree. I do not endorse the death penalty. Um, but it is, you're right. Like there is some sort of poetic justice here in a way. Yeah. Um, and the judge actually said, quote, if it is ever customary to preserve skeletons, yours will be preserved in order that posterity may keep in remembrance of your atrocious crimes. Wow. So it's sort of like you will be put on display so that. Yeah. uh, As a monster. (laughs) As a monster. As of like a reminder of what people like you did. So before his execution, uh, Burke hit a religious streak, which seems to happen sometimes on death row. And he felt the need to come clean. He published an official confession. He listed all 16 victims. So that's how we really oh, wow. know all the details. And this is the first time you're ever getting the information from the source of like, the murderer. And, wow. and it's like real information. Because sometimes the source is like, oh, I murdered 80,000 people. And you're like, okay. Yeah. Stop. Uh, yeah. But um, I'm thinking Henry Lee Luke is here. But uh, he did. He listed all 16 victims. And this is kind of a dick move. He implicated William Hare in all of them. Jeez. (laughs) So he still insisted that neither of their wives knew anything, which was honorable. True. But he also was like, but my buddy did it too. Right. He he was there too. But Uh, this fucking guy. Yeah. This fucking guy. Um, so the public rioted against Hare. Angry he had gotten off free, and Helen had to disguise as a man and be escorted out of town by police to avoid wow. angry mobs. So she was chased out of several towns before she eventually vanished from historical records. So we don't actually know what wow. happened to her, um, but I like to think she probably just made a new name and laid low. You know, I, yeah. I don't I don't know what else could have happened. So people vandalized the anatomy school just in anger. Um, they gathered outside of Dr. Knox's personal house, demanding he make a statement, uh, but he stayed silent. William Burke, for what it's worth, was executed on January 28th, 1829, roughly a year after his murderous spree began. So in this one year, he started off as never presumably never having killed anyone, and a year later, he is executed for killing 16 people wow like what a fucking roller coaster of a year he had yeah Uh, a doozy a doozy at his execution twenty-five thousand people gathered in the crowd and when Hare left town because he had gotten off scot-free a mob of 800 people gathered to kill him and it took 100 police to clear the crowd He was able to cross the border to England and disappeared from history, except for some rumors and one claim that he returned to Ireland with his wife. Wow. So we don't really know. Dr. Knox, for what it's worth, became a scapegoat for his peers who were happy to let him take all the blame and shame for this whole body snatching situation. Um, You know, we're not saying he was a good guy, but also this was a rampant thing happening in every school pretty much that was going through this issue of needing bodies. Um, this wasn't like, he wasn't like the solo, you know, madman who was participating in this, if that makes sense. Um, like obviously it wasn't good, but it was like a widespread thing he was participating in. 
In fact, bodies were so available in France that body snatchers couldn't even make good money selling them to doctors because it was an oh. oversupply. <laughs> Um, but hmm. since Knox had been like so central to this case, he became sort of like the symbol of the entire body snatching movement. And it does. Yeah. Like symbolically he, he was like at the heart of it. So angry mobs gathered at his home outside his classes every day to the point that he eventually had to quit. Um, and he like, what else could you do? You know? And he lived basically in total disgrace for decades until he finally opened a small practice uh, in an area where no one knew his name and in an area and in a time when you couldn't Google someone and immediately pull up all the articles about it. I was going to say, what a what a weirdly lovely blessing if he really just wanted to. Um, I mean, assuming you're a good person to and just want to get out of town yeah. and start over. Yeah, it, to just, I mean, I like to think of movies like Catch Me If You Can. It's like, can you imagine if it were set back then? Like, <gasps> how would you ever be caught? You'd never yeah, be caught. You would just be, I, it, yeah, exactly. That's kind of what it is. Like, the environment allowed him to move somewhere and start over, which I think is a lot harder nowadays. So in 1832, the Anatomy Act was passed, and this allowed bodies to be legally donated to licensed surgeons for science unless the deceased said otherwise prior to death. So this cut the demand for cadavers, making it a less prosperous and therefore less tempting business for resurrection men like Burke and Hare and anyone else who might follow in their footsteps. Get this. William Burke's skeleton is still on display at the Anatomical Museum in Edinburgh University. Just like that judge said, you will be put... And I love how when the judge said it, he's like, if this is ever a thing where we display skeletons, yours is first to be put up. And like, it is. This is what happened. so trippy. It's also really wild to know that that skeleton, when it was alive, heard that it would be on display. (gasps) That's trippy, too. Yeah, that's because every time you see a skeleton, you're like, oh, they had no idea no one clue. day we'd find them and underground they and put them up. But like that skeleton heard you're going to be on display. He knew it. He so knew it's it. almost like there's a little life in the skeleton. Like if I were looking at that skeleton, I'd be like, you know, you're here. I'd be creeped out. I'd be like, yeah, part of you. Yeah. Knew. Oh, mm. it's really unsettling. Um So William Burke's skeleton, still on display today at the Anatomical Museum at Edinburgh University. Uh, A notebook was made from his skin. Uh, Of course, by like Ed Kemper or whatever. (laughs) What was that guy's name? Yeah, Ed Gein. Ed Gein. Gein. Um, And by the way, you mentioned an Edmund earlier who was super unhinged. So I feel like we're on a weird Ed kick today. Uh, Ed kick, yeah. But... Yes, uh, this apparently was not an uncommon practice at the time, which I remember learning in Boston on one of those history tours where they said like, yeah, at this place you can find books made of human skin. It was normal back then. And I was like, okay, I don't know. Thanks for that. (laughs) I don't want to look at it. Um, But so a notebook was made from his skin, which was, I guess, not uncommon at the time. And that is also on display at Surgeon's Hall Museum. So that is the story. I'm sorry. It's so freaking long. I just... I was no, just really, I was great. just really into this one. I think I was just, uh, you know, no, well, well done, going well told. At it. it was a, it's a good. I think this was a pretty uh, solid episode. I do too, and I feel like we kind of had a little bit of like crossover, just with the Scotland thing, being kind of just historical with, like, stories. 
our minds melding. Mind melds. It's very platonically romantic. It is know. in it's a way. Nice. Yeah. No. Yeah. Also, the stories were just both very good. I, I always love when I can get to tell a story that um, uh, doesn't talk about death. And yours talked a lot about death. But there was at least um, that distance, that history uh, yeah, distance we've talked it was, about. Yeah, and, it's like a human reaction to feel just less impacted by older stories. It's like time just makes them feel less personal and close. Um I hope people, I hope, it, you know, wherever Janet soul is, I hope she knows that we're still giving her snaps for following Absolutely. her gut. And Mary, obviously, all the victims, it's like, God, what a fucking traumatic and terrible way to go. Um, getting, like, lured in, and, and only because they wanted to sell your body for money. It's like, ugh, the whole thing yeah. is sick. And putting her on display at the school, ugh, yeah. it's just all so sick. Um but let's all try it, to be it, Janet and really like trust our gut, but then also be like, use your big where fat the brain fuck is my friend. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, use your big fat brain and follow your big fat gut, you know, just whatever you need to do. You do it. You do it. You survive. You thrive. You, you thrive. You got it. Um, what was I going to say to you, Christine? Hmm. <sighs> Lord knows. I haven't said enough in two and a half hours. Yeah, I feel like, should we keep talking? <laughs> I guess so. Maybe we, not. We have the after chat. We have our after chat, so I guess I'll see you over there. But uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. It was a, it was a really good episode. I did your, your story was particularly intriguing this time around. So, And it really was eerie, the whole, the fact that the skeleton knows, or like knew at, yeah, at some there, point beforehand. I hadn't thought of that, but that is trippy for Ooh. sure. Well, another stop for us to check out if we ever head over to Edinburgh. So. Absolutely. Oh, we should. Wouldn't that be fun? It'd be fun. We've we've talked about a lot of and that's why we drink retreats and uh, one day we'll have one. Yeah, and so. I want to do Europe shows so bad someday. We were supposed to and then COVID knocked everything out. So, I know. I know. One day we'll we'll get we'll get back to it. So, we will. And until then, uh and that's why we drink. <laughs>